Hey, onesies, Josh Williams here, and thanks for checking out the One Man Podcast. There's now over 200 episodes and dozens of bonus interviews, all of which are available at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Google Podcasts, and many more. And you know what? If you don't have any of those apps, no big deal, because you can listen anytime at onemanpodcast.com. So be sure to subscribe, because it's always free, and there's a new episode out every Wednesday. And while you're at it, leave a review. It's a great way to help the podcast, and it doesn't cost you a thing. Follow One Man Podcast on all the major socials, and you'll get bonus content and pictures, fun stuff for yourself. And finally, if you have something that you want read on the show, send it to contact at onemanpodcast.com because if you send it, I'll read it on an upcoming episode. Thanks so much for listening and I hope you enjoy. What's up everybody? This is DJ Demers. I'm K. Trevor Wilson. Hey, it's Krista Allen. Hi, this is Rick Mercier. What's up guys? This is Paul Verzi and you are listening to the One Man Podcast. Yeah! yeah. My name is Josh Williams, and welcome to the One Man Podcast, episode number 213 for Wednesday, June 9th, 2021. How's it going, onesies? How are you guys doing? Is it the best week of your lives? Is it the worst week of your lives? I sure hope it isn't. Um, here we are, another episode of the One Man Podcast, and introing as always, my name is comedian Josh Williams, and this podcast is about what's going on with me, what's going on uh, personally, professionally. The, uh, the random little stories that I may have for you. That's what this podcast is. I tell you what's going on with me for the week of Wednesday, June 9th, 2021. So here's what just happened with me in the last week. Um, I'll be talking about uh, some of the stuff that I've been working on for the podcast. Um, mostly just trying to get rid of some of the old merch from our 200th uh, episode limited edition box. I'll be talking about some of the stuff that I did for that. I watched a couple of movies and I will tell you guys about them. I actually watched three movies. That come to mind. I watched a fourth while I was getting my notes ready, but I'll put that on next week's episode. In fact, there's a series of them, so I may as well tell you about all of them as I feel like I will burn through them. Um, I'll tell you about the top five. I'll give you the top five that we have coming up at the end of the episode. And um, yeah, I'll tell you about it. I, I went to have lunch with uh, with my friends and their families. Uh, I got vaccinated, pokey pokey, uh, and I'll tell you how that went. Um, what else? Yeah. Just a couple of little odds and ends here and there before we get to the top five. Um, who knows? Maybe I can keep this episode to an hour gang. Um, I'm just going to start right off by saying, um, let's do the vaccination thing, right? It's not like that was a great story or anything like that, but just to let you know, if you haven't got vaccinated, what you can expect myself, I went out of town to get vaccinated because, uh, I noticed that it was only 30 minutes outside of town. And sometimes in the city where, uh, where I live in Ottawa, sorry, if you're hearing all this background, noise, I'm trying to make some room get comfy here. Um, sometimes, you know, in the city trying to go somewhere and find parking and all that stuff, by the time you've done all that stuff, I mean, it may very well just be like jumping, uh, on the highway and getting 30 minutes out of town. Like I didn't have to drive my, my GPS time was legitimately 30 minutes. You know what I mean? So it was like 30 minutes from the moment I get in my car at home to there versus, you know, just, I, I have a highway entrance very close to, to home. And it was just like on there, I'm there in 30 minutes. And I was like, you know what? It's going to be different if I, if I tried to do the same thing, like where they had me booked originally. All right. I'm all over the map with this. Basically my original scheduled appointment was June 17th. And then they gave me this link and an invite code where I could go on, you know, any time of day I wanted to and look and see if anyone canceled or whatever. And I played around with that a bit. I did that like right near the end of May and I was able to find, you know, at first I found a spot that could take me that same day, like the 26th or something. I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. I'm like, you know, but I, I would have had to drive an hour out of town. 
like or, or an hour long drive. And I was like, eh, I go, that's, that's a little much. I go, let me see what else I can find. I'm looking around and poking around and I'm not seeing anything else. that's really, you know, too great. So I was like, oh, let me try to find that other one. And it was gone. So like this, this thing is like stuff coming and going like concert tickets all day long. So I looked at the one that was 30 minutes outside of town on June 6th. And I'm like, okay, well, that's 11 days sooner. So like kind of two weeks sooner is how I felt about it. And I'm like, well, you know what? 30 minutes out of town isn't so bad. That's when I started to put in the logic of, I'm like, well, if I went to the place in the city, I knew where it was sending me. I know the exit ramps. I know the streets. And I'm like, that could be pretty busy, you know? So it, it might actually take me the same amount of time to drive to the spot in the city and try to find parking as it would to just jump on the highway. And 30 minutes later. So I was like, you know what, Fred, for the sake of 11 days, I'm like, let's do it that way. So I did that. Um, it was on Sunday that I had it. June 6th was my, was my appointment. So I'm like, I jump in the thing. I get to this big community center, small town, uh, outside of Ottawa and, uh, parking was particularly easy. You had to stand in line for us. So when you first get there, they had an app. This is, again, I'm only speaking for like what was going on at this one place in Ontario, but I would imagine a lot of places kind of have similar protocols is, uh, it was an arena, like a hockey arena. And basically we get there, there's a big sign in the front, go onto this website and, and answer the questions and then show us the green check mark you get at the end. I was like, okay, can do, did that, walked inside. It was hot. Fuck. Was it hot that day? And, uh, you know, we're walking through the hallways, we're getting pre-screened in one room then followed to the next thing. And it's like, it, it's really quite straightforward. It wasn't even like really like pre-screening, like the pre-screening was the app thing with the green check mark. Okay. I follow the thing. Yeah. Next. And it's just walking through one room back and forth through the lines, you know, down the hall into the big arena room where they basically had the floor space all set up with like, you know, the, the, uh, another pre-screening where they would take your health card and get your information and everything like that. Find out if it was your first or second shot. Excuse me. I don't know. I'm yawning all of a sudden, uh, probably because I'm recording the podcast. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so it was like, it was, I think the whole thing took me like 25 minutes. This was like the standing and, and, you know, checking in, uh, going through the line, just waiting in line, getting checked. And then from the moment I walked, I, I should say from the moment I walked out of my car, so the moment the needle was, was piercing the skin, I would say it was like 20 minutes, 25 minutes, maybe. And then you have to wait for 15 minutes afterwards just to make sure you don't have a real bad reaction. I did. Got my little sheet print out. Kaboom. I'm one now. What did that stop with the yawning, Joshua? Jesus. There's been like four cups of coffee today. It is, as always, the day before the pod, as always, as often. One day before the podcast, it is quarter to three in the afternoon. I am recording this, but I've had coffee today. I've been, I've been doing stuff. I helped a friend get uh, some air conditioner set up done. Like the, putting air conditioners in windows is the fucking worst. By the way, I am in Canada, the capital. So if someone's turning into this for the first time and like some sort of Canadian, what do you mean? Air conditioner? You mean hater? You guys live in igloos. Uh, no, we do not. It is quite hot here. I would tell you the temperature in Celsius, but I don't know what the conversion rate is in Fahrenheit. I don't know if anyone cares. I do know that when I was young and I would play sports games and stuff and it would like ask me what temperature I would want. I would put the temperature on not realizing it was Fahrenheit. And so like, I would, I remember one time I was like, oh, it'd be really nice to play like a, a, a game of football, nice 30 degree weather. And then like the game would start and it would be snowing. And I was like, what the fuck? Um, so today is currently, wow, Jay's got the, uh, my roommate's got the fucking air conditioning on way too, it's freezing in here. Um, but it is currently 30 degrees 
Celsius. So exactly what I was looking for that. Hey Siri, what's 30 degrees Celsius and Fahrenheit? 30 degrees Celsius is 86 degrees Fahrenheit. There you go, guys. So it's 86 degrees outside and humid. It is uncomfortable outside. So, um, yeah, it's just, I had a friend who's, uh, you know, putting in an air conditioner. So I was helping with some measurements and some temporary solutions. I'll be working. Jesus Christ with the yawning. I'll be helping out with, uh, with that later on this evening or tomorrow coming up this week, just to finish that off. So put cardboard in the window with like one of those floor model AC units. So it's just like, ah, it's, 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 it's a tough rig. The window's a little uncooperative too, but I digress. So it's just, it's hot, it's hot. And, uh, it's not comfortable for anybody right now. If you don't have AC, you are suffering. Um, so yeah, uh, super quick, super quick poke. That's all it was. Pokey poke, poke in, uh, in my arm and then sat for my 15 minutes and then I was off and I did something with a friend later on, but I'm going to circle back to that. I just thought I'd let you know, I got the Pfizer vaccine if I haven't already said that. So if anyone's like, which one did you get? It's such, it's such a topic of conversation. I got the Pfizer one. The aftermath of it has really been like, it wasn't until that evening. I think I pointed at something with my arm. And I was like, oh, oh, there's a little bit of soreness there. I didn't touch it. It was just like the muscle hurt from like lifting it straight outwards and pointing. Um, still, even at this moment, like I'm rubbing it and it's like, it's not even like, it doesn't even really hurt. Like there's a little bit of soreness, but even that is like negligible. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I know that we had conversations this weekend and we'll talk about that. So I was saying that apparently... If you have a reaction, like if it gets sore or whatever, it means you already had COVID. I don't understand how that would work. Um, but I was hearing a lot of talk from nurses and doctors and stuff like that saying that um, if if you have like the more pain and the more of a reaction you have from the shot, the more likely it is that your body's actually building antibodies from it. Because if you never got sore or anything like that, there was really nothing that your body was fighting off. And if it wasn't fighting anything, that means it wasn't building antibodies. Building? Building antibodies. That's what happens when I talk too fast. I get my words slam into each other like a bunch of cars fucking, you know, breaking for a red light. Building is building antibodies together. Antibodies. Um, yeah, so I, I did hear that, that, you know, if, if you, the, the worse the reaction you, you have, the more likely that the vaccine is in fact doing its job and, uh, and building those antibodies for you. So there you go. First poke was my first one. I got the Pfizer. Uh, well, that was on Sunday. It is now Tuesday. My arm is like, like it already was so, like, it's quite literally the, the majority of the verdicts that I got from everyone else. I got the needle the next day, my arm was sore and then I was fine. That's, that's the way it is. And mine's like, I can't even say it was sore. It didn't even hurt down to the elbow. I would say like localized to like a three, you know, three to four inch diameter, let's say radius. I was going to say three inch radius was the word I was looking for, but even that seems like a bit too much. I would say a four, four inch diameter fucking, you know, circle from the area was a little sore. That's about it. So hopefully I'm building the antibodies. Otherwise I'm just letting government and industry poison me needlessly, right? Shoot stuff into my body, infect me with whatever. Um, so that was that. Uh, what else did I do last week? Huh? I, um, so here's the thing. I I've been talking to you guys about this a little bit and I apologize to recap. It's just sometimes, you know, we get new episodes and there are not new episodes. We do get new episodes every week, but we get, uh, what I'm trying to say is new listeners every week. So 
Um, I do want to say a big thank you uh, to uh, Isabel, who has co-hosted an episode with me, my buddy D uh, in Texas, who listens to the podcast every single week. I appreciate him. And my brother, Aaron. Um, all three of these people have picked up uh, one-man podcast boxes. Boxes, box eye, box. Uh, just, to, just to support. And I appreciate that. Like I said, I did have a few left. Um, they are on clearance. I still have some left. Um, but I just want to say thank you to those who are listening and who are contributing. It is so very kind and, uh, moving. It is moving that you guys care. Um, Izzy purchased some, some one man podcast stuff, uh, when it first came out, she picked up, uh, you know, like a mug and some playing cards and things like that. Um, super grateful for that. And then she was just like, you know what? Let me get one of these boxes. I want to support. She's, I, I can't remember exactly how she phrased it. I'm sure I could look it up, but it was just something about how, like, you know what? I try to support my friends and you know, you're one of those people who's out there actually like attempting to, to, you know do work and move product. You're not just laying back waiting for your friends and family to do all of your supporting for you. So I was like, okay, well, I appreciate that. That's very, very kind. And, um, my buddy D has already purchased a box Dylan, uh, in Texas, Dylan's already purchased a box, but he's like, you know what? I really like that stuff. And I want to get a second one. I was like, dude, are you kidding me? That's some onesie of the month behavior right there. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Izzy, Izzy was huge too. Uh, I like, I'm just, I'm loving the support and the kindness from everywhere. Like, onesies geez you guys are really stepping up your game i uh, i certainly appreciate that um so the idea with the boxes is i won't go into it i give you guys like a, a pitch every single time um the idea with with it is um well for starters i want to get rid of them i don't need a bunch of boxes of my products very very happy with them thank you for everyone who picked one up love for the last of them to just get the fuck out of here Go make some people happy. So one of the things I was doing was uh, setting up pictures. So last week, just speaking about this, um, last week, uh, Crystal uh, from Crystal Clear Shots uh, helped me stage and photograph all the products in the box. So basically I was just like, Hey, I'd like to, I was talking to her saying, I'd like to take some pictures and, and, you know, just get some nice pictures for Kijiji. My plan really was like Kijiji, uh, which is like, I guess, uh, I don't know if it's localized to Canada or whatever, but it's like a Craigslist kind of thing. Um, I want to put the boxes on there and I want to put the boxes on Facebook marketplace. And I think I mentioned this before, but people are like, why would you put them on there? I'm like, they've got your brand. If they don't know what your brand is, they don't care about the stuff. I'm like, you know what? There's some really nice stuff in here. Notebooks, playing cards, water bottles, coffee mugs, you know, stuff that's, you know, the phone stands, things that doesn't exactly just because it's got a logo on it doesn't mean that it's, you know, you have to listen to the podcast in order to do it. And, and because I'm selling that these things at less of the product cost, like you could still pick up some stuff at a steal. So, um, you never know you put shit on, on these Facebook marketplaces and stuff. There's people out there. So I'd rather it be there. You know, I'll put it to you this way. If I hadn't even thought of this, I wouldn't have been talking it and uh, talking about it. Sorry. And, uh, my friend is wouldn't have picked up a box. My brother wouldn't have picked up a box. Dylan wouldn't have picked up a box, a second box, I should say. So it's just, you know, even talking about the fact that I was thinking about doing, it has moved some more of this product. Um, but I did want to say that, uh, I'm doing, I've done the product images, so, uh, Crystal and I, she brought a light box. She used a light box, which is great for, for photographing products. Um, and I'm just doing some slight editing because some of the items were large for the box. So I just need to do some slight editing that sort of blurs out the corners and the, the, the bends in the, the sort of the, the background paper and stuff. So I'm just cleaning up the images in Photoshop. Um, but I, I had worked on all the ones that I did with the playing cards. So on the Instagram page, one man podcast, if you guys go to that, you'll see that there's a post with the playing cards and a bunch of different photos. So instead of it just being like, I put the cards on a table and took a picture of them, they're actually really nice staged product images. 
Um, I, I can't remember. Somebody was asking me like, what's the point of this? I've seen your cards before. I'm like, no, I'm not showing you the cards. I'm showing you the image. Like I, as a friend, I was just showing my phone. He's like, yeah, I've already seen your cards. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm showing you the images of them, like the actual photographs themselves. Crystal, in my opinion, absolutely killed it. And of course, if you're ever looking for any kind of photography needs, Crystal Clear Shots, also located here in Ottawa, did a great job. Uh, took like, I mean, I, I really can't uh, thank her enough uh, for sort of just, I, I know I, she was like, yeah, I can, you know, if you want, you can use this light box that I have and da da da. But I was, I was very boring and vanilla with my staging. Like some of it was okay. I did have a couple ideas that we used, but, but predominantly just in terms of like the angles and everything like that, like Crystal took the bull by the horns and, and just sort of, it started off like, you know, I'll let me, you know, let me know if you need help to like, oh, can I make a suggestion? And then it was like, and I was just like, I'm way more comfortable with you doing this. You've got a better eye for it. You're, you're used to it. So very happy with it. It went from borrowing photography, you know, or making use of photography equipment to actually being able to borrow the photographer herself. So, uh, very grateful for that. Very happy, really happy with, um, with the photos and I'm just doing the, the cleaning up on Photoshop and things like that. In fact, as a matter of fact, I was even talking to her afterwards and, um, the cool thing about Photoshop is a lot of people can use it in different ways. And there's like so many different things you can do with Photoshop that like, I have one set of skills in Photoshop and Crystal has a completely different set of skills. So I'm used to like cutting things out and cleaning up certain angles. And I'm, I'm used to like putting fonts on and making posters and designing graphics and things like that. Whereas in terms of like actual image correction and things like where you're smoothing things out and healing and removing black eye and like a lot of different things that you, not black eye, red eye, um, even blemishes and all sorts of different things. There are so many tools in Photoshop that you could, that I would just never need to use. So I was taking forever, uh, kind of using some skills and tools that I knew in Photoshop to fix the backgrounds of some of these images. And I was just, you know, showing her what I got done. She's like, why, you know, what, what's going like, what are you using? I was like, this She's like, Oh God, you got to use this tool. And it saved me so much time. So really guys, like anything in life, like a, a professional is worth their weight in gold, right? Like we, a lot of us can kind of do things on our own and it looks sort of, you know, not as a negative, but like amateuristically done or, or hobbyist. But if you get your hands on a professional for something and are able to ask them questions, like it really is, you know, I would have, I would have taken forever and not that she charged me for the little bits of advice and stuff on the phone, but it was just kind of like, it's nice to be able to be like this. And then they're like, Oh, this and that, like pros are pros for a reason. Anywho. Um, so I'm happy with the product shots that I got, uh, for the stuff. Um, thank you again. Any onesies want to pick up a box contact at one man podcast.com. Um, if you, uh, if you want just items, like the items will be available on Instagram. I think if you go back further, you'll see some of the, uh, like item proofs. And even looking at those, those came from the company that I ordered the, uh, the products from. So they would send me an item proof and it still looked nice, but it was kind of like, uh, like a head on shot. And it was sort of proof. Like, I mean, it looked, it looked professional in the sense that it just looks kind of like template ish. So I could see what the stuff looked like and it was fine, but being able to actually do like nice product shots, uh, next level. So if there's something that you want, you don't have to buy a box. If somebody wants a mug or a water bottle, or, you know, I've got two, two t-shirts left that, that, you know, can get without a hat, something just let me know. Uh, and we'll find the, the best, most effective way to get it to you cost wise and all that fun stuff. But I just want to say thank you to everyone who has purchased one. Everyone who is, you know, it doesn't even matter what you get. Like I appreciate during these times of COVID, it is not the time that I want to be sitting around on piles of inventory. Um, 
really, I ordered all this stuff when shows were happening and now shows are not happening. So it's a lot of just sort of sitting on product and going like, well, someday stand up will be back. So, uh, you onesies are keeping me alive in the meantime. And I, I truly appreciate that. Not keeping me alive. I got fat storage. I'll last a while. <laughs> um, so what did I do? I spent some time, um, with, uh, with friends this weekend, my two best friends in the world, Jimmy and Mika. I, uh, I had, um, uh, I guess a, a backyard sort of wasn't really a barbecue. We had, we had lunch together. Um, so the two families, uh, Jimmy, his, his lovely wife, Alex, Mika, his lovely wife, Mel, their children, uh, their two, two children each. So four total, you know, uh, and then Josh, the guy who's almost 40 and hasn't got his shit together. So it was nice to hang with my friends and do a little bit of catch up. It was kind of like families talking family stuff. It's, uh, I don't want to say it's outside of my wheelhouse. I had that experience a long time ago when I was with, uh, when I was with Crystal and the kids. So like, I know everything that they're going through now. They're kind of all at the ages. Their kids are at the ages that, that, uh, her kids were at when her and I started dating. So I'm not unfamiliar with the dynamic that they're going through now, um, you know, so it's, it's interesting to see, but of course I'm not there with, with kids and significant others. So, um, I'm also like unemployed due to COVID. Uh, both my friends are, are still uh, gainfully employed. Um, all four of them are, as a matter of fact, uh, they are essential, I guess, or at least their, their jobs are able to, to, to continue. Whereas me, uh, the dick joking monkey, I, uh, I'm able to sit in my, my box and, uh, and talk to you guys. Hey, thanks for letting me be part. If you're essential and you're going to work every day, Hey, good on you. All right. And I'm sure, listen, I just want to take a second and say, I'm sure that you guys who are working are going like these motherfuckers were sitting at home doing nothing. I will just say on behalf of some of us motherfuckers, um, we'd rather be working, you know, like I, I would imagine the guy who is like at working at, and even things like Tim Hortons and stuff didn't shut down. But I mean, there's, there must be like the guy who was, you know, I don't know, the stock boy at some bullshit candle store. I don't know. I don't know. Stuff that's not essential. You know, they were working for minimum wage and then they got shut down and they're on the CRB. Like, I would imagine for them, they're able to just be like, hey, I make the same amount of money sitting on my ass doing fuck all. This rocks. Them, them, I get it. If you're, if you're like, Jesus Christ, these guys, but trust me, you don't want to quit whatever your job is so that you can sit around and do nothing for, for what would be less money. I'm just glad I'm not you know, defaulting on every loan I have as a result of my industry shutting down. I am not essential, right? Nobody has watched a comedy movie or a comedy special uh, since COVID. I'm being sarcastic, but uh, you know, it's not, it's not safe to gather where we, uh, where we gather all the streaming services will let you rent movies. There's alternatives. And I think podcasting and zoom shows and, YouTube content and all that. It's like a, it's like a lateral movement, but there's something about live stand-up comedy that's important. Even if you're watching a special on TV, you're not the live event. It was recorded live and live is so important for, you know, the energy and comedians and stuff like that. A magician doing tricks in his living room isn't the same as doing it in front of an audience. That gasp, wow, when you do the trick, it fuels you. I mean, I wouldn't know I'm not a magician, but I can tell you it fuels me as a comic when people laugh and stuff. Um, so I'm looking forward to do that again. I remember being someone who was able to make an audience laugh right now. I'm just the guy who is ordering the burgers and Harvey's having someone go, Hey, I've heard of you before you're funny. 
<laughs> so hey, thank you. What was I gonna say? Um, yeah, so I don't know. It was nice catching up with my friends. They were, you know, it was it was like watching family dynamics. I got to stick around longer. Uh, Jimmy and Alex, uh, sorry, Mika and Mel. Uh, we're kind enough to host the event, uh, and Jimmy and Alex, uh, left, left at one point. I stuck around for a while and it was just, honestly, it was nice to catch up, but I find myself getting burnt out sooner. I don't know if I'm just not used to it. The weather, as I mentioned, is hot, hot, hot. So being outside is uncomfortable. And then to, to add to that, just being old and, and not really, my sleep schedule is still a little messed up. Like I'm trying to go to bed, but I find myself not being able to sleep. Part of me feels like I will go for a nap the second this podcast is over. Um, but it's been interesting. Um, just noticing that again, I'll tell you about another visit I did the next day and I, I felt it right away. So, um, you know, uh, emotionally and mentally, I'm like, I can't wait to go hang out. And I, I was like, Hey, I'm going to get there at like 11 o'clock and I'm going to hang out with them, do one of our games nights, you know, uh, till, till, you know, bedtime, whatever. Like I'll, I'll go, I'll hang up the one couple. We'll have a little couple hours of just sort of downtime in the afternoon. And then maybe when the kids go to bed, we'll play some games. I was mentally like looking forward to that. Um, physically I felt myself getting tired quite early afternoon and I ended up staying until, uh, till dinner, um, which was again, very great, very hospitable, but I was just like, I'm, I'm toast. I'm good to just sit here and, and sort of do nothing. And then when I was like, I'd better, better go home before I start to fall asleep. Um, I don't know. I don't know what part of getting older that is, but, um, it was just, it was like, again, this is a podcast. This is for entertainment value. So to talk about, um, just the energy level, right? We're talking literally like eight people and a dog and a cat that love me that just want constant pettings and scratching. So, um, it was a, it was an exercise in ADD. Um, it was nice seeing everybody, but I certainly enjoyed the parts where I was kind of like when, when four people left, it was a little easier. Um, but I guess it just takes energy to pay attention and to socialize now. Like, is that what COVID did? Did it make us bad at socializing? Cause I could fucking hang, man. I can hang or I could hang. Now I don't feel like I can hang, man. I can't hang, can't hang. It's not who I is no more just an old man who runs it of energy. I don't know. I think I, I think even starting standup, I started to get my fill of attention. I just don't need it as much as I once did. You know what I mean? I just don't, uh, don't have it in me for hours and hours and hours at a time. I even like when I first started stand up comedy, like I would go and do my shows and I would hang out afterwards and chat with the comics and socialize. Now like I'll fucking leave before the show's over. You know, I'd go into a six minute set, watch the next hour and 15 minutes of the show, hang out for, you know, a couple hours afterwards, shooting the shit, come home. Now I'm like, I'm like a fucking hermit. Why am I swearing so much? Now I find myself to be a bit of a recluse where I'm like, I go, I do my show. As soon as my set's over, I politely say goodnight to all the other people on the show. Have a great show, guys. Have a good one. You know, um, the only time I stick around till the end of the show now is if I'm hawking merch and now you know, that's like, yeah, it's been a long time since I've had to, to worry about that. But, but there was a, you know, couple periods during COVID where we were allowed to do a little bit of entertaining and I would find that just there's my thing and I'm out of there. And if I had a bad set, not like bad, but if it didn't, if I didn't do so well that I'm like, someone might want to buy a cup or a thing or whatever, I'm like, I'm out, I'm out. And I'm sorry to let that cat out of the bag for any potential fans that I have that are listening to this. It's not like every one of you is just a, a dollar sign to me or whatever. I would genuinely like to say hello and meet everyone, but at the same time to, 
you know, unpack a bunch of stuff on the table and, and, and shill some stuff. I'd, I'd like for it to be a good set. If I didn't have a good set, you know, to be like, Hey, did you, I, we all know I, I was in the room. We all saw how that went, you know, want to commemorate it. I feel like that William hung guy from that's a dated reference from America's American idol. The one who couldn't sing, you know, and he's like, she bang, she bang. And it was, he was a joke. He thought he was good, but he's a joke. I would feel like that guy trying to sell merch after having a bad set. And again, a bad set to my standards. Like I have too much experience. Now I feel too bomb. Like, like, you know, a joke, silence, a joke, silence, 10 minutes, silence. You know what I mean? I, I know how to garner enough laughter, but, but there's still like, there's like bombing, which is what I would say, what we call non-coms. So non-comedians, humans, civilians, um, there's like, there's like bombing that what non-coms would consider bombing, which is like the crickets and not a single laugh. And then once you're a professional, like you can get a few people laughing, but it's a bomb. Like if you're like, I, I did not win this audience over. Like some of them laughed and I got them a couple of times, but overall that performance is a fail, you know? Uh, you wouldn't want that one to be your special or whatever. So it's just, it's, uh, that it, I, I have those kind of sets where I'm like, well, I didn't feel particularly good. I worked on a new bit and some of them came along. Some of them didn't. The energy definitely dipped when I got, you know what I mean? So it's just like, I'm not gonna turn around and be like, Hey, wasn't that great? Don't you want to take a piece of that home? You know, <laughs> it's like the day, it's like the day where the roller coaster at Disney world fucking falls off the tracks and kills a bunch of people. Like, well, the whole theme park didn't fucking ruin it. We can still sell souvenirs, right? Some people had a good time. Um, maybe, maybe that is the mentality to have. <laughs> hey, you know, somebody might, this notebook's great, huh? Who cares? You don't even know what that says in the front. Um, so yeah. Um, another cool thing I did uh, just briefly, thank you, uh, Mika and Mel for hosting. It was nice seeing uh, my friends this weekend. That was, that was my like Saturday, right? So you're like, oh, why would you tell us all this? Because I fucking, I'm not doing anything with my life anymore. <laughs> I just, uh, I, there isn't a lot to say. A lot of people are like, Hey, I like your podcast. Uh, but it's like, sometimes it's kind of boring. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you this podcast is the story of my life. The interesting parts of the stories of my life. The pandemic has made my life ultra fucking boring. You guys can go back and find episodes of me recording from Los Angeles, where one day I'm performing at the comedy store, the world famous comedy store. The next day I'm interviewing, uh, my friends who've been on, you know, America's got talent and television shows and living the dream. The day after that, I'm fucking backstage at Kimmel. You know what I mean? Like I've, I've had an interesting life. I've been, you know, I've recorded this thing from my hotel room in Scotland where I perform, where I headline shows in a country I'd never been to before. I didn't have to like start over and work my way up. You know, I've recorded this, this podcast, you know, after visiting New York and, and I've done it in Toronto and London and with co-hosts and ah, you know, but that's when life was living. I tell you this non-essential comedian, it is really hard to find things to talk about when you are just watching shitty movies and, and reading books. Um, fasting still going well. That's a note. I probably could have told you. Um, I don't know what the weight is because, uh, I fucking, I was standing on the scale earlier today and then the, the bath mat was like pushed up and it was like, it was showing two ninety. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I didn't lose 20 pounds this week. Um, and then I pulled it out and I, I, I fixed it and I went to the bathroom and you know, 
because I was waiting for the numbers to come off the scale. I stepped on it. I was like, ah, oh, it's not right. And I fucking, and the time it took me to turn around, take a pee, wash my hands, I'd completely forgotten to get back on the scale. So um, I apologize. I guess, fuck's sakes, I'll do it. I'm going to pause. I'm going to be right back. 314.6 is what the scale said. However, the one thing I forgot while, you know, before I got up was, um, I have had three glasses of water, a can of bubbly, four cups of coffee and lunch. So all of that is affected. So like I had, I had a chance to get a clear number. I went, I went, I went poopish. What's the, the non-offensive way of saying that uh, bowel movement? Uh, I defecated. And I was like, all right, I'm, em I'm empty. Uh, you know, I turned around for a pee. And I was like, I guess that, that sort of, could. I'm like, yeah, but I'll get a nice empty reading. Totally forgot. And now I'm full of stuff, right? I got my can of bubbly here, zero calories, even though it's midday and I can drink whatever I want right now. And I also forgot I had a tiny little uh, smoothie, you know, to go drink or whatever. So I'll put the calories in today. A lot of my coffees were black and whatnot, but it was just, uh, you know, I, I just don't have a, a, a the, the, not, not the self-control, but the control, like scientifically speaking, a control to say like, Hey, I try to get you that weight when I'm empty. Uh, I'm not empty. So 314.6, according to the fucking scale. In fact, I've even gotten on that scale three times consecutively and it'd be up to two pounds different. So I'm over it. Um, but I'm still, I'm still doing good. So like, again, I'll start eating better. The food I'm eating is not ideal. Um, I'm not going crazy with portions, but you know, there's a few times where I, where I cheat on the fast in terms of like half an hour to 45 minutes over I'll do, but then I make up for the next day by making sure that I don't, uh, don't go over it or, or what have you. I'm strict. Like sometimes again, a lot of people saying going like the 18 or not 18 is 16, eight rule. 16 hours fasting, eight rules on my rule is the 18, six. So I'm like, I've got two extra hours. So again, if I occasionally dip one over the other, it's good. But like the main thing is like, I'm not eating late at night. That's a huge one. I'm not eating uh, first thing in the morning. Like I still, if I'm cheating, I'm literally playing an hour, you know, saw uh, rarely like two, but then I'll do the two one only if I was like late starting that day. Like I'd started eating at two o'clock. So I'm doing pretty good. Now it's going to be on like, okay, you're, you're really building this habit of not just eating all the time and not taking any calories. Cause as much as I could like not eat, um, if I'm drinking coffee with cream in it and stuff like that, I'm still taking in calories, still potentially spiking insulin. So I'm just, I'm working on it. Um, and I'm happy with the results. So if, if you think I could do better, uh, I appreciate that. Um, but I'm, I'm good to build on what I'm doing right now and I'm good with that. So, um, last little thing I'll talk about before we get into something different is, um, I dropped off a box, uh, to my pal Izzy and I did that right after my vaccination. That's what I'm circling back to here. I remember when I was chatting with her, we're trying to find a way for me to get her that box. And, uh, and she was saying, well, if you want, you know, when you get your shot, why don't you swing by my place? They live kind of out, out by that, uh, that other town that I went to, to get my shot. She's like, I heard you say on the podcast, you got all these board games, never get a chance to play them. Why don't you bring some board games over and we'll, we'll play. So her and her boyfriend, her family are all in a bubble. They all uh, live out there. We went and sat in the back, uh, backyard in the gazebo sort of thing. Um, it was nice. It was, it was really, really fun to be totally honest with you. Um, uh, same thing. This was the day after I saw, you know, my, my friends in their yard and I was still like, yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. And I just, after being out in the heat, getting the vaccine, everything like that, I was like, fuck yeah, I just, my energy faded and it was hot outside. We were outside. So as much as they made the environment as nice as possible, we were all still just like sweating 
through our clothes, you know? Um, but it was nice. I got to meet my pal Izzy's parents. I got to meet her boyfriend. Um, all very nice people, all fantastic human beings. I had a really great time. Um, her dad ended up making us, uh, burgers and beers. Uh, well, he didn't make us beers. We had beers and, uh, and before I left, they're like, ah, we're going to throw some burgers on the barbecue. Let's do that. up." It was great. I had a really good time. They were very, very lovely people. We had good conversation. Everyone was very, very cool. Um, and we played uh, a couple of board games. We played, uh, I'm just going to throw the names out there. We played a game called Beastie Bar and a, a game called Code Names. I will circle back to Code Names later on as it pertains to uh, the top five list. Um, there'll be some information shared about Code Names. So it was just really cool. Uh, I got to see Izzy open her box. That's one of my favorite things is to watch somebody open up their one man podcast box and kind of go through all the cool stuff. I just makes me happy for all the hard work that we did. Um, but it was really nice hanging with my pal. Um, you know, I, I gotta be honest with you. The conversation was a little more light. Um, mostly because it's like, you know, people getting to know each other and we were kind of playing board games too. I guess it helps if you're playing games versus just sort of sitting around, you know, doing nothing. Um, and I'll, and I'll be honest, it's, it's a little easier for adults to do adult things when there aren't kids around. I don't have anything against children at all. It was just, um, there was a lot of kids and, and kids can be a distraction, you know, um, you know, just, it just is what it is. No, no negativity associated with, but a bunch of adults are hanging out and there's a bunch of kids, uh, very young children, you know, shit's going to happen. Kids are going to bump their heads. Kids are going to get scared. Kids are going to have things happen and they're going to cry. And that's how, uh, that's how we all learn things uh, by having those experiences. But I think my old hermit antisocial ass is just a little too low energy for that. I'm, as, as I'm sure the parents are, they're like, oh, fuck. Day in and day out with this shit. This guy's got to do it once and he's bitching. Well, I'm just expressing myself. It's healthy to do that, right? Just say how you feel and to express yourself. Uh, it's very important. Um, my feelings are just as violent as your feelings. That's what I'm trying to say. So, um, yeah. I had a blast. Thank you is thank you, uh, to your lovely parents who were kind enough to me. We social distanced like, I will say this, uh, we social distanced very efficiently. I actually felt kind of bad. I felt like I was like a leper kind of there. Like they didn't make me feel bad, but just with like, I was the one who wasn't in the bubble. You know what I mean? So like, um, they were very like, like, and realistically, like everyone should have been COVID would have been over a long time ago if everyone was this strict. You know what I mean? Like I saw my friend is, and I was like, you know, like, Hey, I would like, you know, you think to give a hug or something or like, Oh, you're going to high, like even just, Hey, high five, you know? And I'm like, I'm always judging my roommates for being like, just, Oh, we're just going to live our lives and fuck everybody. I'm like, well, that's pretty irresponsible. But then I'm like, Oh, these people who've been clean and I've been clean, you know, but it's still like, why take chances constantly? I don't know. They were doing it right. I just felt, I just felt like, Oh shit. Like I'm, I'm not as diligent as I thought. And, um, yeah, I'm, uh, I, it was cool. It was cool to see. And I was like, ah, fuck, you know, it was <laughs> it just, I guess the under underlying sort of how I haven't been, uh, there's still things that I could do. I mean, I mean, we had like hand sanitizer and stuff like that, but, uh, yeah, I guess I just noticed, or I'm just reflecting now. Like it was interesting, like even to the point where like when they were making me hamburgers, they were like, what would you like on it so that we can put it on for you? So, so that I'm not like touching their condiments and stuff like that too. You know what I mean? Like I was just, I was very, very mindful to not touch things and, and whatnot. Cause it's safer. It's safer. And they were very polite. They were very like nothing personal, whatever. Just that I'm like, yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. So a uh, good time, regardless, good time, good conversation. Um, had a blast. 
Thank you, uh, thank you, Izzy. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Izzy's folks. Um, and I and I do like. I mean, I got a message from later on. They had a good time. Looking forward to doing it again. Um, you know, when things get a little bit nicer. And I'm like, yeah, that would be absolutely phenomenal. I would like that very much. Um, and that's her for my little stupid stories for the week. We got a couple of little things, and we get right to the top five. And I send you home. Send you home. What are we at here? Thirty eight minutes. It says to me on my thing. <laughs> I'm thirsty a lot lately. I assume it's the heat. Um, I'm just chugging coffee, chugging water, chugging drinks just to keep cool. Um, I watched, so I, I've been talking about the shittiest movie, right? Getting you guys to recommend something. Um, and I gave you guys a list of movies that I was like, here's four. Somebody pick one. Uh, nobody picked anything. Boo. From that list, I should say. So after a few days, I'm like, oh, fuck, no one's reaching out with, uh, with one of these suggestions. So I just remember I kept thinking about that one called Bubba the Redneck Werewolf. And I was like, fuck it, I'll throw it on. So I threw it on and I think it said somewhere, I either Googled something about it or I, or I just threw it on and said something early on, like based on the character from the comic or whatever. But Bubba the Redneck Werewolf is a, is a, what was a comic book or is a comic book. And so this was based on that. Now it looked very B movie ish and it even, it even like the trailer made it look very B movie ish. But I gotta tell you, I watched it like, like later in the evening, I threw it on. I was like, I'll fall asleep to it. It wasn't, I gotta be honest with you. It wasn't half bad. Um, it wasn't great. It wasn't like, oh my God, this is great. Like there were characters in it that are just like hacky. They, their character was like a blatant stereotype and, um, the jokes were like a little hacky, like where you expect someone to laugh and it's like, ah, I just, you, you look like you're trying too hard. Um, the, not every actor was horrible, but not every actor was was uh good either there was a few actors who i've since like googled like i think that movie was from 2014 uh fairly certain if not like you know 2013 or 2015 so it's it's not like a year or two old but um a few of the actors in it like just checking out imdb have gone on to do other things and have been in some much larger stuff so they're not all just like whatever um it's got some hokey it's it's at no point is it ever like horror it's not like oh it's gonna be a werewolf movie you know, it is, it is comedy, like, you know, lighthearted, like teen wolf, not as comedic or whatever, but, but like that. So the idea is that the devil, some like gypsy woman is like, oh, there's an evil force coming and the devil is coming through town, uh, making deals with everybody for their souls. Right. And it's almost got like a bedazzled effect where like from the movie bedazzled, where, uh, the deal he makes, he like fucks you over on the deal, except Bubba being the first one. He wants to like be, you know, he loses his girl to some tough guy or whatever. And he wants to be big and strong and he's going bald. So he wants to be hairy. You see where it is going? Like, I want to be big and strong and hairy and da 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 da. And it's like, he signs away his soul, um, to, to, you know, get what he gets. And what does he get? He gets, sees a, he becomes like a permanent werewolf. Um, so it's not even that he's like a werewolf. He's just like a, he's like a wolf man, uh, you know, a hairy guy with fangs and he's strong, whatever. It's actually two different actors too. There's a guy who plays him as the redneck and then there's a guy who actually plays him as the werewolf. Um, and it was kind of like, so, you know, everyone around town is getting, is signing contracts with the devil. And then they're, you know, I, th I couldn't tell if he's like claiming there, they didn't make it super clear. Like it basically, a lot of the movie takes place in this bar that he frequents. So the idea with it is. Um, these other people who sign contracts that will end up like all boom, showing up at once, almost like a, like a puff of smoke. And you're like, so are they like 
dead and trapped here? Like, did he, are these souls the devil has collected? Because he shows up and he's like, yeah, the devil is kind of like funny and smarmy too, almost like a game show host. So he's not like horrifying or anything like that. It's just like, oh, he's just this goofy devil. And then it's kind of like, oh, how are we going to get all these people's souls back? And yada, yada, yada. Um, and it ends up being like, oh, he'll challenge the Bubba will challenge the devil. And, and, and that's about it. It's like, it wasn't, it wasn't horrible. It really, I, I was watching it the whole time. I didn't, I didn't get bored. Um, there were a few things like, I mean, there's, there's, you know, the Bobby Joe, who's his, you know, his girlfriend, as soon as he becomes big and hairy, she immediately leaves the other guy and goes with him. So her motives were never like, she was shallow really like, Oh, now that you're a werewolf, I'm into you. And there's like the, the, Oh, let's, you know, have sex with the werewolf or whatever. It's kind of like, huh? You know what I mean? Damn it, Bobby Joe, I got to go stop the devil. I can't just be having sex with you all the time. Like, um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, it was, it was fascinating. Bubba, the redneck werewolf, I believe is on uh Tubi. Um, I saw it on Amazon prime and I watched the trailer and everything like that on Amazon Prime, but it is not on Amazon Prime. I checked yesterday. Couldn't find it there. I cannot find PMS Cop on Amazon Prime anymore. Uh, it's also not on Tubi. It almost looked like the two the two sets of things were on the same, you know, on both streaming services. Tubi and Amazon Prime both had Bubba the Redneck Werewolf, uh, the Killer Sofa movie, Dawn of the Deb, um, all of those ones. Um, but now I don't see any of them on Amazon Prime. So I don't know if the month changed and they just, that their, their contracts are, are over or whatever, or licenses, but, um, it had some goofy stuff. Some guy wanted a third, a third hand so he could jerk off while doing his job and the devil sticks the arm in the middle of his forehead or whatever. And then he leans forward to try to jerk himself off. It won't reach. It won't reach. Like the devil's playing these cruel jokes on people. So, um, it was, uh, it was like, I really didn't mind it. If you're looking for something to like mind numbing and kind of, kind of cool, uh, no bullshit. Bubba, the redneck werewolf 2014, um, was worth the watch. I, I, that's what I can say about it. It was worth the watch. I'm not the whole point of the shittiest movie, even though no one recommended, I literally looked for some options for you guys and then decided I was just going to watch it anyways. Um, the whole point is to be like, Oh God, suffer through this. Like, and, uh, and it really didn't feel like suffering. It was a B movie, but, but it was fine. It was kind of cool. I, I really didn't mind that movie. Um, there was a funny part in Bubba when they're like, there's like, oh my God, there's zombies in town now too. And they all go out to like this field where they see like, you know, zombies like, like just moving around swaying. And it's like all these young kids or whatever. Like they look like they're just swaying. Right. And so they're sniping them with their shotguns and, and rifles. And then they're, but they're shooting, you got to shoot them in the head. That's the only way to kill them. So they're blow, shooting them in the head and they're just fucking falling down and dying. And at one point someone's like, wait, wait, stop, 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 stop. They look like college kids. It's like, yeah. It's like, oh, they're just on mushrooms. What? It's like, shoot one in the leg. And it's like, shoots them in the leg. Ow! Oh my God, my leg. Ow! It's like, oh, oh shit. And then they fuck off. Like it's, you know, they're shooting them in the head. So all the other ones didn't even notice because they were on mushrooms too. It was just kind of funny. That was the, the thing that got me going. So Bubba the Redneck Werewolf. Hey, 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 hey. Uh, it worked. It worked for me. I, uh, I, I did not regret watching it. Um... Another movie I watched, uh, Escape Room. Now, there was one that came out a couple of years ago. Uh, it had Deborah Ann Wall, I believe is her name. She was in True Blood. She was also in uh, Netflix's Daredevil. She was in that. Um, that's not the one that I watched. I did see that one. I believe I saw it in theaters. Um, it was fine. It wasn't anything great, but it was fine. Uh, there was another uh, Escape Room on uh, on Netflix, I believe it is. Um, and it's, it is not with big actors and actresses. 
it starts off with like, um, I'm trying to remember. It starts off with, with someone in an escape room, like just dying. You don't even get the puzzle or whatever. They're just like trying to figure something out and they just die. And you're like, okay, so this is someone who's been in this thing before. And then it's a guy and his girlfriend. They're driving to a restaurant to meet their friends. And there's conversation that's kind of like, they're alluding to something and I'm like, okay, this just seems like something is going to play out later. And then they get to the restaurant and you know, they're there with their friends and we're meeting those characters and it's like, Oh, nice to meet you. This and that blah, blah, blah. Nice to meet you. No, they're like, Hey, nice to see you. Yada, yada, yada. And they do this thing where it's like everybody, you know, they're not gonna let the birthday boy, the, the protagonist, they're not gonna let him pay. So everyone throws a credit card on the table and then they cover it with a napkin and someone reaches underneath and grabs one of the cards and that's the person who gets stuck paying. I thought that was kind of an interesting of the entire movie. That was the thing that I enjoyed seeing the most. And then they talk about, uh, you see the main character who's there with a blonde girlfriend or spouse or whatever. And you see him look across the table at one of the other girls there and wink at her. And she's like, gives him this foxy look back. And I'm like, that wasn't subtle at all. So those two clearly have a thing going on behind the girlfriend's back. And then, um, they're like, Hey, I have something special planned for your birthday. We're going to do this escape room. And she, and then he's like, wow. And all the other people are like, wow, that's really, that's really interesting of you. Like, not like your style. It's like, well, you said you don't want to do something adventurous and try something new, whatever. It's like, okay. And they're like, okay, come on outside. We have a van waiting for us. So like they all get into this van or limo or whatever, and they're driving to this escape room. So all of the characters in the back, mysterious drivers, like who's driving this thing that never gets addressed. Then the girlfriend's like, I need to collect all of your things. You know, give us, give me your, give me your starts with like your, your phones that everyone's reluctant to give up their phones. And it's like, and it's like way too long a scene, not scene, but it's like way too long a moment or plot beat where everyone's really kind of like protesting about giving up their phones. Like we're talking realistically like two, three minutes straight. So instead of just like, Hey, everyone, I need all your phones. Like this is, Oh, what really? Yeah. It's kind of part of the, part of the experience. Reach in your pocket, throw it in. That's what? 20 seconds. A couple little shots. People grab their phones, a slight hesitation, but it's not, it's like two, three minutes straight where she's literally got to negotiate with each person about their phones. And then when that's over with, she's like, wallets too. everything in your pockets, any ID and identification wallets, whatever I need it all in here. And they're like, what? and it's like the same thing. It's like, okay, they're really like laying it on thick of like, you got to give up all of your shit. But I'm thinking like, that's when I started to think, you know what? I'll bet you this chick is the, the escape room person. She's the one who suggested the escape room. Now she's telling everyone that she needs their phones. Like they're, they're really making it obvious as opposed to a throwaway thing. Like you gotta have that, right? Like later on when everyone's running for their lives, it's like, why don't they just call the cops or something or use GPS or do something? It's like, well, no, they, they took, they collected their phones, but it only needs to be a 15 second thing to, to see that. Okay. They don't have their phones. They don't have their IDs. Like, well, what happens if she kills them all? Like, it, you know, well then, you know, they, no one would identify the bodies. They wouldn't get in shit or whatever. Like, you know, they wouldn't be missing because she collected all their IDs and she can burn it all or whatever. Like there's no, you know, she can get away with it. My thoughts were like, this looks like the current girlfriend, the blonde is responsible for it. So I'm like, I'll bet you she knows about the cheating or something like that. Right. That's what I'm thinking. She knows about the cheating and maybe she feels like the friends knew and they didn't, they didn't respect her enough to tell her. So this is going to be like the girlfriend who it's so unlike you. Like there's so many just different writing methods and, and, and techniques and stuff that are just making this seem way too obvious that she knows. Right. And then, so she personally collects all their wallets, personally collects all their phones. It's her thing. Where are we going? Oh, that's my little secret. Like, uh, you know, 
I'll never tell something like that. Like I'll never tell her. I won't spill the beans. And then, you know, she goes to blindfold her boyfriend, you know, at the end where like everyone's getting out and they're blindfolded. She's like, he's like, you know, you're not going to, you know, she goes to blindfold them or whatever. And, and uh, she, he says something like, Oh, are you going to make sure that you take it off? Or are you going to take us where we're supposed to be? And she goes, don't worry. I don't cheat. And I'm like, all right, there you go. She just really laid it. Like literally the word cheat laid it on thick. And the guy's like, Ugh. You know, he has this moment where you see like something in his face and then she covers his eyes and then, uh, they wake up in groups. So like one couple wakes up in one room, another couple wakes up in another room and the guy wakes up all by himself without his blonde girlfriend. Right. And you're like, oh, well what happened? Oh, well, she's not there. Obviously she's not there. Then they, at some point they see on a TV that she's like in a cage. Oh, look, that's her. She's there's, there she is. She's in a cage. Oh my God. We got to save her. And then they're all like, oh, this is, this is part of the game. You know, it's part of the game. We obviously, it's like, that's the plot. We gotta, we gotta get out of here so we can save her. And they're thinking like, you know, as they would, but here's the thing. She was naked in the cage. Um, she was naked in that cage, the whole movie. Um, never, ever, ever did they address why she was naked in that cage. You know what I mean? Like it just seemed to have nudity for the sake of nudity. It was the only nudity in the movie, but it's like, why is, why is this girl naked in a movie? I was talking with somebody who uh, I think it's actually Crystal's theory because uh, her and I were big into watching horror movies together. Um, her theory was if there's nudity in the first 10 minutes of a movie, you know, it's going to be shit. And I've seen a lot of movies where right away there's, there's whatever. And it's a hook. It's a used as a hook. Like if you're not interested in this, Oh look, here's some titties. Okay. I'll watch. There's going to be titties. I'll watch. But um, yeah, this one's like, it wasn't really like the first 10 minutes, but it was just like, but it was just nudity that had nothing to do with the plot, nothing to do with the plot. Um, I mean, even just trying to throw it in olive branch, whatever it's like, uh, what, like it's showing she's super vulnerable in this cage. But at this point you've laid it on so thick that she's the perpetrator, you know, maybe I'm not supposed to think it. Maybe that just the writer was like, oh, well, we got to make sure that when they look back, they'll go, oh, look, all the signs pointed to it. It's like, yeah, but if you have way too many signs, you're like, yeah, I get it. I know the direction. Now you literally said, turn right 17 signs in a row. I get it. I'm going to be turning right. And then when it turns right, you're like, see, if you look back, it's like, yeah, I saw all the signs. So, um, movie goes on different traps, different, this, solve this, solve that. A lot of kind of shitty acting, a lot of really not subtle, uh, stuff from that other scorn chick. Like they, they regroup at times and separate regroup. Um, not a great movie. And then when it's over, like you think, okay, we're going to find out this and that and whatever, and moments of revelations. And then just, you never find out what the fuck. Like, like literally nothing. Uh, at the end of the movie, the sole survivor, that's the closest to a spoiler I'll have, the sole survivor receives a phone call and the person's like, it's just like some bullshit little monologue that explains nothing. It doesn't explain who, who did this to them. So it's totally wrong. Maybe they laid it on thick because they're like, we're not going in that direction with it at all. But, um, the direction it went made, I mean, like no sense at all made absolutely no sense. Um, so it was like, okay, well, I guess thanks for the movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, thanks for the naked chick in a cage for no reason. Thank you for laying it on way too thick in many scenes. Um, yeah, just like nothing, nothing. Why are they here? No idea. Uh, he cheated on his girlfriend. Is that going to get addressed? Nope. What was that weird thing that they were, you know, were, were they trying for a baby? Like, what were they talking about in the car? You know, oh, I, you know, I won't mention that we're sh like, it was just, it was just like alluding to a ton of shit that had never, never received any resolution. You know, a lot of movies, you know, 
You know, that, like, again, if you, if you notice that every time they walk through the front yard, they, they point out that the fucking, the, the, the fence, oh, the fucking gate's always squeaking. Like that's going to come into play later. You know, if you're watching a movie and somebody trips over a skateboard in the hallway and they go, ah, come on, you're always leaving your skateboard in the hall. That's coming back at some point. Again, again, if it's a movie that has any kind of editor or, or, you know, somebody with any kind of writing chops, right? Before, like I said, the difference between amateur and professional professionals do things for a reason. Um, so yeah, that was escape room naked in a cage, way too suggestive. Ending seemed obvious then nothing at all. That's what I wrote. Those were my notes naked in a cage. When I say way too suggestive, like, I don't mean, uh, suggestive is sexual in nature. Um, so that was it. Yeah. Escape room, uh, and Bubba, the red neck werewolf. And then I get an email from my buddy, Mark. Oh, Mark. Mark is a great dude. Um, loyal onesie, uh, listens quite frequently. Mark sent me an email about a shittiest movie. And like I said, it didn't have to be one of the ones I suggested. Just if you guys want to message me and say, Hey, I got an idea for a movie. Why don't you do that? So Mark's email reads, um, Hey Josh, I'd like to recommend the movie microwave massacre. Although I absolutely have no intention of watching this movie. I thought it, I thought I'd waste an hour of your life watching this cinematic masterpiece. I look forward to your review. Your faithful listener, Mark. Well, Mark, I put that on this morning because I figured, you know what? I will, I will definitely put on Microwave Massacre. I found it on Tubi, T-U-B-I. Again, it's a free app, guys, from 1979, though Tubi has it listed as 1983, the year of my birth. Um, it's, yeah, Microwave Massacre. So I'm going to see, did I download the Tubi app on my phone? I really hope I did because then I can just, nope. Well, uh, why don't I read you guys off of IMDb? All right, Microwave a Massacre. I have here 1979 fed up with his wife's bad cooking. Oh, this is like a one sentencer. And I'm going to read the next one too. Fed up with his wife's bad cooking. Donald kills her and turns to cannibalism to satisfy his appetite. Um, the other one says construction worker. Donald is having a hard time getting anything good to eat since his wife has decided to only cook gourmet foods. That is true. Uh, that and her constant harping cause him to snap and he whacks her somewhere in the confusion. He comes up with a new use for the microwave oven and begins to eat much better. Soon he's experimenting with different recipes and different meats. Uh, well, really only human meat. Let's read this last one too. Why not? Just for fun. Poor Donald, an unhappily married, middle-aged, hardworking construction worker, can't remember the last time he's had something good to eat. And it's all May's fault. That's his wife. His shrieking harpy of a wife. With her ideas for fancy cooking and high-class lifestyle, to make matters worse, May has recently invested in absolutely the latest in what technology has to offer. That is to say, major electric state-of-the-art microwave oven model X174A. Threatening to never prepare a decent meal again, of course, all in the name of Donald's own good. I will speak to that. But with each meal worse than the previous one, trapped in a culinary purgatory where even the dog eats better than him, enough is enough. And one night, Donald's drunk and sorry, Donald drunk and pushed by pushed a morsel too far in a fit of despair. He will bludgeon May to death. That's not well written with the antidote to May's cooking and her in the microwave, Donald will accidentally get a taste of human flesh only to find it sweet, unique, and fantastic, yet a bit tough and old. Is that what he says? I must have not been paying attention. Now that Donald has tasted blood, there's no turning back. But with his health keep getting better, but will his health keep getting better in a fridge full of evidence? He must act fast. This is stupid. After all, we are what we eat. Okay. Anyways, point being is uh, the guy, the main character in it, the guy who plays Donald, um, is actually the voice of Frosty the Snowman from the classic children's cartoon. So how about that? That's basically like the only thing he's done. Um, 
the mutilator. Oh, these are more like this. This is not even his, uh, filmography. Yeah. It's like he played frosty in 1969 and in microwave madness, uh, he was Donald 1979 and then just a couple other frosty things, but he died in like 87. So he wasn't even around much longer than that. Um, all that to say, um, this movie was stupid. Um, so in true, uh, again, to, to crystals, I got to find a funny name for that. Like crystals, uh, nudity radar or something like, uh, the, the tit tell <laughs> if you get, if you get tits in the first five minutes, it's a tell or 10 minutes, 10 minute tit tell. There you go. How about that? Uh, a tell doesn't work. Anyways, I'll find, I'll figure out something better, but I'm gonna write that down. I'm gonna write the, uh, the, the I'll find a name for it and, and I'll put it in the description of this episode. The, the tit 10 minute tit tell 10 minute tit something, you know, Hey, if you have a name for it, um, tits in the first 10 minutes, tits, tits in first 10. God damn it. I don't need you guys to hear me fucking spitball at my head tits in the first. 10. I'm going to have to play with that though. I do. Uh, I do think that there's a, a fucking, a great little thing. Just going to make it shorter. That's the thing with a comedian, right? It's the economy of words. So tits in the first 10 and that tits in the first 10 guys, tits in the first 10. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, it's it literally starts off with like the, the, the two production like company logos. And then, um, <laughs> and then it's like tits, literally like, like, a, like a cleavage shirt and just braless titties bouncing around in a shirt, uh, walking down the street. And it's like, and it's like, it's just the tits. I don't mean like, okay, it's a chick with big tits and that's the focal point. Literally the screen has tits bounce, bounce, bounce. And then, and then it didn't even make sense. She walks up to a construction site. You know what I mean? Like, you know, those holes in the construction walls, whatever she like walks up to him. Like, this is like her mission. She's like, like walking down the street with purpose and it's playing the stupid seventies music. And she's just walking tits, bouncing tits, bouncing, you know, swinging her arms. Like she's in a hurry to get where she's going. And she just walks right up to this, like, hole in the construction wall so she can look and she's bent over because the hole for some reason is like the, the midsection so she's bent over looking through this hole and some guy just leaning against his car like sees her bent over and looking through the thing and walks up to her and like all you see is him pinch her ass um and she's like oh and then you see the guys inside the construction yard sitting down eating their lunch and one guy's looking forward and he sees the hole in the fence and all of a sudden like her tits like push through like they literally see them coming out of her shirt and then boom, poking through this hole. And this hole is just big enough for a pair of tits to sit through it. The guy's like, Oh, I got to go to the breastroom. Oh, I mean restroom. And then you see the girl on the other side, nobody behind her. Like you can't see, you can see basically right up to the small of her back. And the shot is from behind the small of her back and her pressed up against the thing. And she's like, Oh, 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 like someone's having sex with her, but there's no, way that what they're showing the guy could actually be that's almost like she's getting ghost fucked up against the wall because on the other side these guys are just seeing the titties like like porkies with the penis coming through only this is a pair of tits and then the other guy sees the tits you know the three guys eating their lunches the other guy sees the tits they both start running towards the fence and right when right as they're about to get to the tits like she just pulls away and and runs off again no no sign of this other guy the other guy stopped existing when he pinched her ass sexual harassment me too um what i guess they want you to believe is that this woman she's even got her pants on still it doesn't even make any sense to me what's happening. Um, but it was, it was like stupid. It was like me, the worst me too shit you've ever seen. Like some woman basically got raped. Um, I, and, and then why she pulls away from the, the wall last minute, she can't see anybody coming. So like, I don't know. It just didn't make any sense, but tits in the first 10, man, 
That's a good indicator. That's going to be stupid. Um, and then the, the guy who's sitting, who never got up, he has like a, a sandwich, like a bun. It's almost like a loaf of bread, like shaped like, um, like a, like a round thing, like a Frisbee. And he's tapping it against what looks like a giant plastic lobster. So he has a giant bun with a giant piece of lettuce and then an entire plastic lobster on this bread. So it's like he's got a, his wife sent him a fucking Frisbee sized sandwich for, for lunch right? Referring to her cuisine or whatever. The funny thing is in there, they say, oh, her, her, cuisine, her cuisine is awful and, and, you know, microwave dishes. Um, she keeps mentioning all this like good cuisine and he's, he quite literally, it's like, well, he just wants some good food. He's literally begging for a bologna, like a, like a cheese and bologna sandwich. He's not asking for better cuisine. He's just asking for not her cuisine. Um, and they do reference that, you know, the dog eats better. He's even eating a can of dog food on a bread at one point, And some dog comes over in the construction site and he shares a sandwich with the dog. Um, at, at that same time too, like the woman from the first scene, she comes back and just walks through on the construction site and starts talking to one of the guys. Hey baby, I can dig it like 70 stuff. How you doing? You know? And he's like, ah, let me tell you, you want to, you know, you want to talk to me? Like, I think, uh, why don't you sit down with me? She's like, okay. You know, and he's like, Hey, you look great. And she's like, most guys just want one thing. And he looks at her tits and he's like, how do they pick which one? You know, I know there's more to you than that. And then she just starts making out with him. Like, okay. And that's it. That whole scene had nothing to do with anybody. There's a lot of like pointless tit scenes. Anyways, the guy, the guy is just, it's a scenes of, of of some old guy just eating shit food and, I missed the part where he killed his wife. It happened so quickly. It was so funny. He beats her to death with a thing with a pepper grinder and then he grinds or salt grinder and then, and then puts a little salt in his hand, throws it over his shoulder, goes back to beating her to death with it. Um, it's definitely bad. It's definitely a bad movie. Like he, he sweet talks some chick in a chicken costume outside of a chicken joint to come back to his house. I'm a nice guy. Like it is so stuff that wouldn't work. Every character, like it's stuff that would never work now. Yeah, I'm an I, I'm an old guy, and you're a young chick in a chick costume. Chick pun jokes. Hey, I know that you're a chick dressed like a chick, and all this stuff. I don't know. The the black guy in the construction thing is like they've got him done up like Jimi Hendrix, where he's wearing a bandana in his hair, and a, yo, I could talk that yo, and he's like, I can dig that, like I could jive with like just everybody is literally a stereotype. The hey baby construction worker, you know, I can look, I can dig this or whatever. The, the sister, you know, not sister-in-law. Yes. I guess his sister-in-law when the woman's missing for a while, her sister comes over, where is my sister? I need to see my sister. I don't know why she puts up with you. Like everyone is such a character. The bartender is an asshole. And like, so bartender, Hey, it says liquor license, not therapy license. I'm not here to listen to you. Like, it's just, it was awful. It was awful. What have I got here? Um, yeah. I mean, if you're 15 listening to this and you're like, I'd love to see some titties. Well, Tubi has microwave massacre and there are titties in there. Um, so I guess, but it, but in terms of story, the acting was horrible. Nobody did a good job of acting in that entire movie. Not one person. Um, as I said, everyone's a stereotype. The ending made no sense. Um, like I, I was trying to find where, you know, they're looking for the protagonist and then where is he? I'd like rewind three times. I'm like, he he's in this scene and nothing's going on in the scene. And then he's just never in the movie again. I was like, uh, okay, what happened? They had a bit of a supernatural element to it with the dead wife. Cause he's basically like luring prostitutes back to his house with like the worst pickup lines. And like the, just what the fuck is going on here? Um, you know, invites the chick in the costume back to his house. This was like an old droopy man. 
you know, old fat guy. It would be like Ron Jeremy trying to like invite a chick back only without the notoriety. And she's like, I don't know. I don't think that's a good idea. Come on. I'm just a nice guy. And I'm just trying to offer you a nice warm cooked meal. Okay. You know, cut to the house and he's on the couch with her, like her shirts off and he's like, licking. Oh man, I'm so lucky. Can't believe I got to bring it. And he's like, you know, she's like, Oh, please come do this to me. It's like, what is every, ah, bah, made no sense. Uh, yeah. Like I, I wrote here, my note, me too. Would have had a field day. Like the, the level of shit that happens guys just walking up, pinching asses, banging chicks through a fucking fence. I don't know. Um, it was like, it was, it was honestly like, like a, a movie about a guy who's just periodically killing people. But, you know, it was like American Psycho awful. It was like Dexter awful. Uh, De- these weren't bad shows that I'm referencing. I'm saying that it would like it would have been like if those were just terrible, right? Got to lure someone else. I got this this thing now we're going to kill. He keeps putting the meat in the freezer. Every time he goes to the fridge, he's got to turn like his wife's head stays in it. So, he you know, he takes her head out of the fridge and he puts it on the table and he faces it towards the wall. When he closes the door, it's facing him again. Like, they, But they never address that. And then the very last thing in the entire movie is like these guys kind of like going into his garage to kind of find out where did he go? And they open the fridge and her head's there. And it's like, huh? and they act surprised. And, and then her eyes start to glow and zoom out. And it's almost like the Looney Tunes thing where the circle just grows until it consumes the screen, her eyes, right? They're like orange, 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 Wah! the end and credits. And it's like, so I don't get it. Did she kill him or, you know, like we didn't see him. He wasn't anywhere near her head. You know, it's just like, what, what the fuck he well, Yeah. Anyways, microwave massacre. You did it. Onesies Mark specifically, you recommended one to me that wasted some of my time. I wish I hadn't watched it. Um, thank God I was working on the top five in the meantime, I will definitely pay attention to them, but I got to do something else too. Cause I will just fall asleep. So having said that, let's get to the top five gang. What are we at? We're already over an hour. It's hour and 10 minutes already. I will do my best to make this a quick one. Fuck's sakes. So this week, top five, top five board games for beginners. I will say this email address is contact at one man So if you decide you'd like to send me your top five board games for beginners, do that. If you'd like to send me a different top five of yours to read, do that. If you have an idea for a top five that you'd like me to do, you don't even have to do your own. If you're just like, Hey, I'd like to hear your top five, this I'll do it. Same Mark that sent me this horrible movie recommendation. Uh, also asked me to tell my top five strip club stories, which I did in a previous episode. I don't remember which one off the top of my head, but you know, that was a thing that I did. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a thing. Send it contact at one man podcast.com. And I will read it. This week's is top five board games for beginners. I had mentioned in a, a previous episode that I, I do have uh, an abundance of board games and it's a fun social thing to do. I was never a board gamer. And if you're listening to this and you're anything like I was, if I heard board games, I thought, sorry, you know, Scrabble monopoly, uh, snakes and ladders, you know what I mean? Like there's other ones too, but I thought like very simple board games where, you know, um, you just roll a dice and you move where you're told, which means like you've got very little control. Sure. There's a, an, an element of chance in the sense that you don't know what the dice is going to roll, but I mean, you're really not in control of much. You roll the dice and it's just, you just live or die with what it is. And I've learned that those types of games where you roll and move are called roll and move games. Um, I've been, I guess a little bit of a board game nerd for the last while, but I know people that are infinitely more, more into it than me could, could tell me they're the ones I've learned my terminology for who've made recommendations of YouTube channels, things like that. But I can tell you that board games have evolved infinitely beyond that. There's lots of games, even though I call them board games that are played entirely with cards. There's no boards whatsoever. There's cards that are used. 
Um, there's other ones that have other mechanics where there's no board, you know, you're just using dice and things like that. There's no board or whatever. Some of them are, are quite literally minimal in terms of pieces. And the game is more about talking to each other or whatever. You get handed one card, you look at it and that's the information you need in order to just have a verbal game with people. It's, um, it's fun. Um, and I only got into, as they say, the hobby because, uh, other friends of mine had heard me, you know, talking about how some people were trying to get me into board games and I was reluctant. Um, I actually went over to, uh, Mika and Mel's with, uh, with my girlfriend, Crystal at the time. And he had said, Hey, I heard that, you know, I, I think we'd gone over for dinner and they were like, do you guys want to play a board game after dinner? I was like, okay, we're guests. I've told this story. So old onesies will know it, but I'll, I'll reiterate for the, the purpose of the top five old onesies, uh, would have heard that I said like, Hey, like, okay, sure. We're guests here. Right. I'm not going to dictate you want to play a board game. No, I'd rather just sit here. If you're suggesting it, let's do it. So we played, uh, Catan called Catan now originally called settlers of Catan. And it was fun. It was a fun board game where I was like, Oh, I hadn't played this before. I've heard of, or sorry, I haven't played this game before. I've heard of it, but I haven't played it. So it was nice. And Crystal and I were both like, that was fun. We haven't, you know, that was a really good time that we had or whatever. And then I think we went to my friend, Chris, Chris talk, who is uh co-hosted the podcast with me before Chris has, uh, Chris was like, Hey, uh, you know, heard you guys had played this and that. Well, let's play this, that, and, you know, he had introduced us to a few different games and we we're like, fuck, these are fun. These like, these are really fun. They're not, they weren't like, Oh, I guess like, yeah, well, I'm glad we did that. It wasn't like playing Jenga, even the game, the, the movie that came out game night. You know, you're like, oh, that's a fun one. And they're all in that game. They're playing like Pictionary and Jenga and all the, the the classics, Trivial Pursuit. Like it's not anything new. And I thought that was kind of a wasted opportunity for the amount of new games are out, which it, and it kind of perpetuates the, the same thought that I had that was like, oh, the, the board games that exist are the same board games that we've known forever. You know, maybe you'll wander into a Walmart and you'll find something that's like, oh, you know, the only game that I had played before that that was new was cards against humanity, which like for most people, the first time you play it is fun. But if you are somebody who's like, I don't know, comedians hate that game because you can actually be really funny. I guess it's, it's a humor subjective. It's a, I think they call it. So going back to the type of game stuff they call, they call that a judge mechanic. So in that game, you, you all submit crazy mad lib things. They'll, they'll give you like a, you know, blank the musical and then you have a bunch of cards in your hand with obscene things and so so a lot of them are say things like you know oh coming non-stop until you die of dehydration right so you submit that and that would that would read to the judge oh coming in so much that you die of dehydration the musical <laughs> that's so funny as a concept okay then the next one you know oh a giant purple dildo you know the musical or whatever so if you ever played that, but the, the, the judge mechanic means that everyone submits a thing and then one person judges, which is the best and hands it off. So I don't like games like that because there's no, it's, there's no real strategy as a comedian, you know, some of the cards, they, they did this, uh, in cards against humanity. Every time they released an expansion with new, like cards, there'd always be one called, there was like, in the first one, there was like a big, uh, uh a big black dick. The next one was a bigger black dick. Then another one was the biggest black dick. You know what I mean? Like, and you're just like, so like the biggest black dick, the musical, there's nothing, I don't know. There's nothing funny about that. I get that. It's, it's, you know, odd and gross, but it's not like, I don't know. There's some other ones where you're just like, I don't know there's some things in it. Like there's two cards. One of them is like the white half of Barack Obama. The other one's like the black half of Barack Obama. You know what I mean? So something like that, I would find funnier personally. If you have a, a musical called the black half of Barack Obama, the musical, to me, that would be funnier than a big black dick, the musical. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. 
Um, but Cards Against Humanity, the point that I'm making is that that's the only game I played. I wouldn't consider it a board game. That was a card game. All right, you guys want to play this card game? Sure. Okay, that was kind of funny. But the more you play it, like I said, I've played with other comedians too, and we're like, we hate it, you know, because some of the cards, and I realize that this is not a progressive term, it's on the cards. Um, but there's one that's like, uh, you know, a dirty black midget, you know, and it's like that card just wins automatically because it's like, oh, ha ha, that card said black midget. It, that's funny. That wins. And you're like, it doesn't even make sense contextually with like the blank thing. Anyways, anyways, I digress. I hate Cards Against Humanity. I have this thing with board games where I'll play them with somebody once. I go, that's great. And then I go online to buy it. I'm like, oh, there's like five expansions. Sure, I'll take it all. I have owned the huge Cards Against Humanity box set uh, filled with all the different stuff. Bought a, uh, an expansion box for it so I could keep all the expansions in one box. I gave it away to my friends at Graybar um, because they had game nights way back when, and, I, and they loved the cards against humanity. I hate it. I was like, you guys, thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of the stuff. We did shows for them and whatnot. I'm like, you guys are great. I want to give you, since you guys like this game, I want to give you my copy with all the expansions, just a kindness for me to you. You guys enjoyed it. Hate that game so much. Gave it away. Gave it away. I like to find people who appreciate it, but yeah, fuck that game. Uh, and that's also, what do you meme by the way? Um, there's a game called what do you mean? And they'll have like a card that says something. And the idea is you're just passing, you pick a picture that you feel like best represents what they said. So there's a lot of those, but it's the same judge mechanics. Some one person picks who wins and you're kind of completely, there's no strategy like, Oh, well, if I move here and then do this and do that, then I can win. And that's how I'll manage my resources and, and strategically it's like, Nope, Nope. You will take your time and, and try to make something funny and then something that makes no sense will will get the the vote because that person, you know, uh doesn't have the same sense of humor as you. You know? And one might say, well, you gotta try to play to the sense of humor of the person who's that it's like, oh fuck's sakes. You know? I'm a comic. I try to play to the entire room's sensibility and it's a percentage game. All right. I can I can live if I get, you know. 70 80 percent of the crowd i'm happy with that never happy with anything but i'm happy with those results but going like oh there's only one person i have to make laugh the worst is when you're when your card is read with the thing and everybody laughs but the judge and you're like well that was clearly the funniest because that's the only one that got a laugh from. ah i'm not trying to be a poor sport gang i'm aware that it might be coming across that way i just um I don't know. I You guys have listened to previous episodes. Some of you, this, some of you, this might be your very first episode. You guys have listened to other ones where I describe what a hack is, right? What a hack or a hack joke is, where it's like lowest common denominator. You know it's going to work just because it's filth, right? Small, again, just a small reminder example for anyone who's never heard it before. If I write a joke where I'm like, I'm walking down the street the other day and this guy comes up to me. He's like, hey, man, why don't you suck my dick? It's all slimy and gross. I was rolling it around in dirt. And you're like, whoa, whoa, officer, please don't talk to me like that. <laughs> Everyone laughs. It's not that I wrote a great joke. It's that the, you know, the, the whole joke is officer. That's the joke. I'm just saying arbitrary filth beforehand, but because it's coming from a police officer, now it's funny, you know? You know, there's this one time someone looked at me and was like, let me just take out my teeth and give you a blowjob. And you're like, grandma, it's Thanksgiving dinner. Please just cut the turkey. You know, it's just filth. And then, oh, but it's grandma at Thanksgiving. And I've seen those jokes done a million times before. It's a, it's a hack trick. That's what I feel like Cards Against Humanity is. It's just a bunch of filth and the filthiest thing that you, card that you have in your hand. Someone will laugh. It, 
you can find times to really, I know I've already said this. If anyone's like, you're, you just explained this. I'm just telling you, that's what it feels like to me is like when, when, you know, oh, um, a, a space alien with 12 cocks pissing all over itself, uh, you know, we'll be right back after these messages. <laughs> that's so funny. You know, I don't know. I, whereas if you find something that's like, I don't know, um, a stenographer with only one finger will be back after these messages. It's just, I don't know, funny in terms of like the, I don't know. It's not, I don't have the cards in front of me, but I'm just saying sometimes you get like the perfect thing. That's that, that makes sense. And you're like, that's fucking hilarious. That should win. And it's like, no, but there was a monster with 12 cocks and that's funny. The card itself. Okay. So top five board games for beginners. What I was getting at before I went on my massive tangent was that I had the luxury of, of playing certain games. And after playing a few with friends, I was like, oh, you know what? This is actually really fun. It's not what I expected. And all of the games that I'm playing are new. And it was nice because my brother was interested in board games, was trying to get me to play for a while. And I was just kind of like, I'm not interested in board games. And in a very short period of time, it was like Mika's house. We played games. It was fun. Then Chris's house. We played games and it was fun. And then we played some games with my brother. It was fun. I was like, okay maybe I will play board games. And so there were a few that people had recommended to me early on that ended up being, uh, really, really fun games. And, um, I have curated this top five list of games that I think are actually really good for beginners. However, I've got a bit of a caveat, um, that I'm going to put in here. It's a little piece of information for you guys, because of course, just like jokes and a lot of other things, not every type of game is for everyone. That would be like saying to somebody who doesn't watch movies, Hey, here's the top five movies for beginners. Maybe, you know what I mean? How would you pick that? So I'm going to start by talking about something called the Spiel des Jahres. It's German for game of the year. And this is something that was actually started in the late seventies. So it's older than I am, but, um, the Spiel des Jahres is, uh, if you go to the Instagram page, you'll actually see the symbols. I put them on there. They have the Spiel des Jahres, the Kinder Spiel des Jahres. Uh, or Kinderspiel and then Kennerspiel. And the idea is it's three different categories, but the Spiel des Jahres is the one that you will see the most. These are all shaped like a uh, keyhole. I guess it's like maybe a, it's supposed to be like a little pawn piece or whatever, but, or, or game piece, but it just, to me, it always looks like a keyhole. And then it's got some, what do they call it? Uh, garland, not garland. You know, like those things, fuck six, I sound stupid. Um, you know, those things that they have, like, you know, this, you see the image of Caesar and they've got the little leaves around the side of their head. What do you call that? Like that, that garland sort of leafy look anyways, that's got the keyhole and then the leafy things there. I'm sure you guys are like saying it out loud, like, Oh God, get it, get it, get it. Not happening. I'll Google it afterwards. But, um, is it called a relief relief? Is that they've got a little relief around the side anyways or gold leaf or whatever. Maybe, maybe that's what's called a little gold leaf around the side. Anyways, um, the Spiel des Jahres is something that it was almost, it's almost like the, I guess the Oscars of board games. Um, a lot of the newer games that, that have kind of rejuvenated and the Renaissance, if you will, of board games, since these old ass Parker brothers and Mattel and stuff like that. Um, there's a lot of board game companies now besides Mattel and Parker brothers and, and whatever it is, Hasbro being a big toy company, but they own a lot of the stuff. Um, there's all these little board game companies. And a lot of them are Europeans. You'll hear people use the term Euro game 
very often. Um, but the idea is that there was these games that started to come out in the, uh, late nineties, early two thousands that sort of were, were huge and, and boosted games. Now there's three I'm going to mention. Um, these games would probably be on every single person's top five list of board games. So I'm going to list them with the Spiel des Jahres just to kind of let you know, um, an example of like what Spiel des Jahres is. So the Spiel des Jahres stands for family game of the year. So, well, game of the year, and it's generally categorizes for families. Then there's like more advanced gamers game of the year and, and even Kinder, uh, Kinder, Kinderspiel, which is like Kinder eggs, right? For kids, German for kids, Kinder. Um, so the idea is they, they have like the kids games of the year. So the, the, they, all the logos are on the Instagram thing, but you're going to find these logos. So if you walked into chapters or Indigo or Kohl's or, you know, Toys R Us, Walmart, whatever, there's going to be a lot of games and, and these games are absolutely thrilled to be able to put the Spiel des Jahres logo on it with the year that they won, because that basically takes a game's sales from like, you know, 500 copies and, you know, 500 to 3000 copies to like 10,000 copies. And that's just for like a nomination for the Spiel des Jahres. If you win, you can sell millions of copies of your game just because it's like, oh fuck game of the year. So it's like the Oscars for board games, right? The same way they're going to put best picture on a movie that won best picture at the Oscars. If you win the Spiel des Jahres for your board game, it's on there. But the main reason I'm bringing this up to you is that if you're somebody that after listening to this, you're like, Oh, maybe it would be kind of cool to pick up some of the games or, or maybe some of the games that Josh suggested. All I'm telling you is if you go shopping for board games, you will see this logo on the vast, uh, on uh, the vast majority on a lot of the board games that are in stores. But that logo is pretty much a guarantee that that game's going to be a hit. Okay, so you can buy, I always tell people, you can buy a game confidently that has the red Spiel des Jahres logo on it. I think the the dark blue one is like for adult games and then the light blue is for, for children's games. So the red Spiel des Jahres uh, insignia, the logo on it, there's only one per year, every year. So when you see that on it, that was the best game released that year. And there are shitloads of games coming out. So I just wanted to mention to some of you guys who, who are, who've maybe played these games before to let you know that, you know, if you if you're familiar with them and you're like, Oh shit, yeah, that game's popular. Um, they're Spiel des Jahres winners. And, and that made a difference. So for example, the game now known as Catan, originally known as settlers of Catan won the Spiel des Jahres in 1995. So in case you played Catan, you're like, ah, oh, when did that come out? It came out in 1995 and, uh, and it won the Spiel des Jahres that year. There is a game called Carcassonne, which I believe is like a small region of France or a town in France or whatever. Um, and Carcassonne won the Spiel des Jahres in 2001. Carcassonne is one of my absolute favorite games to play. I have the app on my phone. I used to play it all the time before bed. You can even play like a, a mobile back and forth version um, where it's like, you know, you have, if you have the app, I can send an invite to like my buddy, Chris, Chris and I used to play and it'd be like, I make my move and then I'll get a notification again when he's made his move and it's my turn again. It's just, just a fun little game. Um, and uh, also in 2004, uh, the very famous popular Ticket to Ride uh, was the Spiel des Jahres winner of 2004. So I'm not naming games that you don't don't know of or whatever it is. Oh, I've never heard of these things. It's not elitist at all. A lot of games that you know and have seen probably, if you if you play board games at all, you know, uh, are, are things that have won the Spiel des Jahres. And if you you might even own the game and go, oh, that's what that red key on the front means. Yeah, game of the year. Um, so. I just want to say too, that one of the things with board games is that a lot of them have names that make no sense. Like I would look at them on my brother's shelf and go that just, I, you know, that looks stupid or I would hate the artwork and I'd be like, the game would lose me on the artwork alone. 
Um, now there's all sorts of different things. I will, I will probably even try to make like a top five resources for board games later, um, rather than going too much into it now, but the spiel de jars, I just wanted to say, if you guys are like me, like, you know what, I'm kind of sick of this COVID shit and I don't want the kids around the TV or whatever. Um, this is a great option going to chapters or Walmart or whatever, and, and maybe find some of these games that have the Spiel des Jahres uh, logo on them and you enjoy them. But in my humble opinion, I tried to make it, um, so that I could, you know, chat and expand on this a little bit and kind of make it interesting for you guys is I decided to give you my top five board games for beginners. Uh, at least why these games made me want to play board games early on and ones that I think that might help for you too. So I tried to pick a little different style. Unfortunately, my number one, selection I did not know was a Spiel des Jahres winner. Um, but I'm going to leave that in there anyways. I tried to make my list, you know, as soon as I made a big list of all the board games I thought. And then as soon as I, I was like, you know what, I'll talk about the Spiel des Jahres and I will to make my life easier. You guys can find those. I think it's pretty safe to say that anything has the Spiel des Jahres, um, logo on it is safe to say that a beginner would love it. They're, they're, they're just great games. So if you're not used to playing board games, you can just play that and be like, Oh fuck, this is a great game. So anything with the Spiel des Jahres, great for beginners. Here are the games that I would suggest. And again, my number one is a, is a Spiel des Jahres winner. So coming in at number five. All right. I just wanted to say too. Yeah. Sorry. Just back to that note on the hating the artwork or hating the name. I've got games called, uh, Machi Koro, which I don't know what the fuck that means, but, but it's a great game. Um, I've got games called, you know, like Catan. If you don't know what Catan is, sorry, I'm turning, like looking upwards completely away from the thing. I got games called Anomia. I've got games called, you know, Obscurio, but even Obscurio kind of works. Ones like Takedo and Takanoko and, you know, like they're basically named after areas in my, my ignorant ass Manila, right? In Vietnam, I believe it is, or, or the Philippines, but. Yeah. So I got, I got names of games that, that just don't make any sense. And I've seen a ton of them on shelves and I'm just like, yeah, the artwork looks stupid. And the name, the name is like, what the fuck kind of name is that? But it, it works and the games are great. So it's almost like now I find myself the games I didn't even want to try because I hated the name and the artwork. Now I play like, I can't tell you how many times I looked at Carcassonne on my brother's shelf and went like that artwork looks stupid. That name looks stupid. It, it is fucking amazing game. Um, but like I said, it's, I've already told you that one, that one Spiel des Jahres 2001, it is not on my list. So just saying, if you hear something with a stupid name and you're like, oh, I think that sounds stupid. Or you, or you see in the box, you're like, oh, that looks dumb. Yeah, I totally get it. Not the case. A lot of them, not the case, um, at all. They're, they might have a shitty box, whatever fucking awesome games. So it coming in at number five is a game called dead of winter. That was one that got me invested. Now that is the heaviest game on my list. It is not too hard to learn. It's just if you know your group or your family or your circle of friends, that game plays like The Walking Dead and not like Walking Dead Season 10, but like Walking Dead Season 3 or 4 or whatever you considered good. Um, what's cool about that game is it is a board game. There is, in fact, a board. And I want to mention that I use the term board game all the time. I never say card game or whatever. Um, I say board game all the time. So even if the game is, is just cards or if it doesn't have a board, I kind of just refer to the whole category of boxed games games as, or physical games, tabletop games as board games. So just a heads up, um, dead of winter has a board and it has several boards. As a matter of fact, it plays like an episode of the walking dead in the sense that you have, uh, the, the big board in the middle is like a colony, a community board. Um, then there's all sorts of little sideboards that are locations, police station, gas station, library, hospital, that kind of stuff. <laughs> And, um, the whole sort of idea of the game, like I'm going to leave a few things out and I want to completely just 
go on and on about everything. But what's really cool about, um, the dead of winter game is that, uh, you're leaving the, like you're, you're constantly in need of things. Every, every round, a new, they call it a crisis in the game, but basically there's a new objective, um, you know, or a new thing you need to get for the colony or you suffer consequences. Right. And the whole idea is that in order to get anything, you have to leave the colony and go look for it in these other locations that I talked about. Um, at the beginning of the game, every you're all playing together theoretically in the sense that like you're all trying to achieve the, the main goal of the colony. Also, you're trying to get the supplies that the colony needs. On top of that, at the very beginning of the game, everyone is handed a secret objective. Um, so on top of everything that you're doing for the colony as a whole, and then for the, you know, the day-to-day colony needs, you also have a secret objective. And sometimes it's just like accumulate a bunch of weapons. You're paranoid and you just want to accumulate weapons. You know what I mean? Just as an example, you know, there's other ones where it's like, you want to, you know, uh, get medical supplies for some reason. You might just be the kind of person you're like, oh, I just hate this place. And I want to burn it down, gather a bunch of, of fuel, Whatever it is, and which is odd because I don't think that one's a betrayer. Anyways, when you're handing out these objectives mixed into the the random deck that you're dealing out are some objectives that say betrayer, which means that your your goal is actually to tank everybody, but you don't tell them. It's a secret. In fact, if, if anyone suspects that you're a betrayer, they'll kick you out of the colony. Again, thinking just like an episode of The Walking Dead, right? They introduce a new character. And you're like, who is this guy? He seems like he wants to help, but you can never trust anybody. What the fuck is going on? And that that adds an element of fun to this game because every round when you're trying to solve shit, you're, you're scrutinizing everybody. Like they might show up and be like, hey, here's some supplies. And you kind of do like a blind dump into the stuff. And then at the end of the round, everyone looks through what was contributed. And hey, you know, everyone said that they contributed food, but, but there's a bunch of junk in here, you know? That isn't food. Someone's lying. One of us here is not who they say. Like, you know, there that doesn't have the, the, the colony's needs in mind or what have you. So it's, it's, it's interesting in that regard, but here's the thing. You could also play a game. And when you dealt with the objectives at the beginning, the betrayer card never ended up in front of somebody. So the whole game you're, you're working with, but not quite trusting everybody that you're with. However, if you get suspected of being a betrayer, the colony can put it to a vote. And if they vote you out, you're kind of outcast from the colony. So now you have to operate only at the outside sites and you get a new goal or whatever it is. But the idea is just kind of, it's a fun game where you're trying to, it's just, it's stressful. Like a zombie game. We got to keep the zombies out of here. The zombies are always coming after you, no matter where you go. Uh, the stakes are high because every time you go somewhere, you have to roll a dice that has a one in 12 chance of just straight up murdering your character. You're just like, Oh, I'm just dead now. Um, I rolled the wrong thing. I got bit and I'm dead. Um, there's, there's, I, I don't want to say a lot of moving pieces, but in terms of my list, I was like, that's a fun game. Like, that's a fun game where like, you know, the table's got a lot of stuff going on. It's not too hard to follow, but it's just kind of like, we need this, but we need that. And I don't have enough, I don't have enough like moves to do all the things we need. So if I go here and you go there, but then you're putting that trust in the other person, I'm going to go here and do this. So I'm counting on you to go over and do that. Yep. No problem. But can you trust them? Or was that person sending the other person there and then they're going to try to, you know, fuck them or, or they're sending them there to die or like, there's a lot of, uh, it's, it's very thematic. And then there's something totally like that. They call the crossroads deck. It's another deck of cards on every single turn. You take a to- the top card off this and you read it. Like not not every player, sorry, the person to the left of the active player or whatever picks up the card and they read the text at the top. And it basically says if this this or this happens, uh, say stop and then read the scenario on the card. So sometimes it'll be like, hey, some survivors are banging on the door and are asking for food. Like you know, 
And then it'll be like, okay, as a group, decide, you know, thumbs up, do you want to let them in and give them some of your food? Or thumbs down, hey, we don't have enough food for you, whatever. And then you decide, and then you read the result of your decision. So it almost adds like a more narrative, more theme, choose your own adventure kind of thing. And then, of course, everything you decide has like, you know, positive or negative repercussions. And they made an app for it. So you can just put the app on your phone, but the, cause the thing is the person reading the card can kind of see what the benefits are. And even if you're playing with someone who's not really paying attention, they just read the results first. So you're like, so you get a chance to sort of hear what's going to happen either way. Whereas the app was kind of cool because it would, sh- it would tell you the scenario and then it would, you know, give you your two options and you'd tap the option that everyone agreed upon. And then it would tell you the results. So if, if you never tap the other side, you wouldn't know what it is. Maybe next time you play, if that card comes up again, you'll have a different thing. But there's like, there's like 60 some odd scenario cards and they only trigger, you know, it might say if this player goes to the library on this turn and if that player doesn't, you know, if they don't have that character or whatever, then it just card never gets read back to the bottom of the pile. That thing never happened. So it's kind of, uh, it's just fun. It's just fun in that regard. So, um, it plays great. And then, you know, the game, uh, you either get to the last thing, there's like a morale, uh, morale tracker. So like, you know, at the end of every round, how much garbage is in the colony, right? Cause you can like use things, but when you use things, there's garbage, right? And you got to use, you got a certain amount of moves per turn. So do I use them to clean the colony? Do I use them to go to go find food? Do I use them to try to go find the items on the objective? Do I try to heal my player who went out and got frostbite from the cold? Like it's, it's really, it's a fun thing to manage. And like I said, everyone, you're all theoretically working towards the same goal, but because there's that chance there might be a betrayer amongst you, there's always that nagging voice in the back of your head. Like, like you're just over your, you're scrutinizing what everybody's doing. You know, you're supposed to be working together, but you're also kind of looking at everybody sideways. Like, well, that didn't seem like the best thing. And they're like, I just, I think it's going to work. And you're like, "Mm, can I trust you? Are you just taking a chance here? But then sometimes people are taking chances. Like, you know, when you're, when you go to locations, they have this really cool thing where, you know, you can look at the top item, right? You're trying to find items. I'm going to the the grocery store because I'm trying to find food. Right. And when you go there, you can, you can use an action to search and you take the top card of the deck. If you don't like that, there's this thing that you can do where it's like make noise, right? And it's a zombie apocalypse. You're not trying to make noise, but you're like, you're scurrying. So you're making noise. So you put these little ear tokens next to it. I think you can use, you can do up to four on a turn. So the whole idea is like, you're making noise, making noise, making noise. You're adding these tokens to the, the board. Every time you use a noise token, you're allowed to pick up another card and look at it. You don't get to keep it. You just get to look at it. And then let's say you made noise like four times, max times. You're now holding five cards in your hand, right? The first one and then the four that you had for making noise. You get to look at all five of these cards, pick one, and then put all the rest of them back. So you made noise. You grabbed like the, the one thing that you decided that you wanted. But then you can fuck off. You know what I mean? So like, let's say for example, someone else is with you at that location. You could search, 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 and then fuck off to another location. At the end of the round, if that player's already gone, you kind of do this thing where like, you're kind of, you know, how much garbage is there? Do we have enough food to feed everybody? Blah, 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 blah. And then you got to resolve the making noise. Oh, this location has four noise. Well, for every one of those ear tokens, you got to roll a dice and then find out if that noise attracted a zombie. So if you're the betrayer, you could pretend like, oh, I'm just making noises. I'm trying to find what we need. But, but what you were doing was you were trying to make enough noise that that other player who was still there when you fucking left, if that noise attracted a shitload of zombies, you could basically be, be sabotaging that player. So they die because when a player, you know, dies, morale goes down. The betrayer's job is always to tank the colony's morale, to, to basically kill the morale and, and tank the colony. It's just a, it's a fun game. It's really, it's really thematic. It's really cooperative. There's a lot of discussion and table talk. So it's very social, 
Um, and it's fun. It's, it's, you know, like I said, it's like playing an episode of the walking dead, except the characters are, are you guys, the, the people at the table, a lot of fun. Dead of winter is what it's called. And I, and I really couldn't recommend it more. Um, that's probably the one that I'll spend the most time talking about just due to the nature of, of the complexity of the game. Um, but I do believe like a lot of people say, ah, you know, I would, just, I would think a lot of people say that's maybe not a best game for beginners. I'm throwing that one out there. It's also in the number five spot because it is heavier. Um, it does, I would say you probably need, whoever's going to present the game needs to read the instruction manual for like a good 30 minutes before, you know, you don't want to sit everyone down at the table and then start reading the instruction manual. You kind of want to read it first so that you can trim that time down by at least half to be able to explain to other people. There's also YouTube videos and shit like that, but it's not super complicated. It's just not like, Hey, let's open the box guys. We roll these dice and count them. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's not that it's not Yahtzee. Um, and number four is a game called stone age, which I think is a really fun game for beginners too. Again, this one uses a board and I, I, I recommend stone age, not because it's the simplest, lightest game, but it's a game where you can do a little bit more. You have a little bit more choice than just rolling and moving. Uh, Stone Age is a really fun game where uh, it's got a board in the center. You have, it's it's a, a style of game called worker placement, which means at the beginning of the game, they give you a bunch of little cavemen or women. And on your turn, you decide where on the board you're going to put them. So there's things that you can do in your village. There's things that you can do outside. So like mining for, for clay or gold or chopping down wood. There's hunting. You can put your guys out in the field to hunt. Um go off and design tools or work on research or try to mate to make yourself more, uh, guys, you know, uh, uh, workers, cave people, cave days. Um, so, uh, it's, it's a fun game. So worker placements, basically like you put all your dudes out and then at the end of your turn, whatever, wherever it was that you stuck them, they come back with the resources they got or whatever. The only thing is you have to feed your cave people. So you want to make sure that you have food. So, you know, on your turn, like you have a certain amount of them, right? You don't have to put them all in the same place. So on your turn, you get to decide how you're going to dole out your little workers. That's what makes some of these board games fun is the choice that you have, right? It's not like it's your turn. So you have to just roll the dice and move. No, it's all right. I got this board. Here's what I'm working on. Like you might be like, oh, I'm trying to trying to buy something. So when you get the resources, you can use those resources as currency to buy little hut upgrades and things like that. Like the idea is it's all just points, right? At the end of the game, you got to get points for building this, you get points for doing that, get points for accumulating this. So what's really fun about, about that is that it's you know, the theme is like cave people, right? Stone age get your resources. It's almost like Catan in the sense that there's a lot of resources and you'll use your resources to buy like hut upgrades or tool upgrades, right? And if you buy upgraded tools, then when you go out and cut things down, you get more of said resources. Um, you know, and you roll dice for like how much of that resource you collect. Right. So it's almost like, I can't remember if this is exactly how it works, but it's like, there's like a, almost like a yacht, like a little leather Yahtzee cup, which is very thematic with like the time. And, uh, it's super cool because you're like, okay, roll the dice plop. And then, oh, okay. That's how many, you know, I get one dice for every, every little dude that I send out. It's just a fun game. It's, it's, it's nice and easy. You, you have the choice. So if, if a, a game doesn't go your way, well, okay, maybe next time I'll spend more time gathering food and breeding. So I have more, more cave people, you know what I mean? To send off and do tasks, or maybe next time I'll work on tools, or maybe next time I'll work on accumulating these little trinkets that you can find or, or gathering resources or whatever it is. Like it's, it's a cool game. It's a really cool game. It's fun. It doesn't take particularly long and everybody's kind of operating their cave dudes at different times. Like you're all living in the same village and stuff. It's just, what are you making your dudes do? Great. Stone age. 
Takedo, another one with a goofy name. And I said it earlier when I was naming it. Um, Takedo is a game where you are not playing. Um, you're not playing necessarily against the other players. It's not a game where, where, where there's conflict, where you're trying to beat. There's no like attempted sabotage. There's no like, oh, I'm going to take this so that you can't get it. Um, things like that, that you would have maybe in some other games. It's, it's not hostile. Takedo is a game about, um, basically it's about like, uh, a sp- spiritual journey. It's, it's almost like a game about the journey, right? It's not about the destination. It's the journey. And, um, I'm probably gonna sound super ignorant because I don't remember exactly, uh, if I don't think Takedo is a region, you must like, I'm gonna Google it. All right. I'll read the description off of board game geek. So in uh, board game geek. In Takedo, each player is a traveler crossing the East Sea Road, one of the most magnificent roads of Japan. While traveling, you will meet people, taste fine meals, collect beautiful items, discover great panoramas, and visit temples and wild places. But at the end of the day, when everyone has arrived at the end of the road, you'll have to be the most uh, initiated traveler, which means that you'll have to be the one who discovered the most interesting and varied things. Okay, that's probably not a great description. It's not bad. So the idea with it, it's, I think it's like between like Edo and something else, like, but it's a road, it's a road in Japan. And so what's really cool about it is that everyone gets a player, your little dude and the whole board. It is another board game. The board is like this road and there's uh it's a series of days. I believe it's, it plays over four days, four or five days. Cause you stop at like four ends overall. So I think it's like a day, stop at the end, end stop that, whatever. Um, it's a really fun game because the way it plays is that the person who is the furthest back on the road is the one who gets to take a turn. And so you can actually jump, like when you're picking your turn, there's no dice or anything like that. You're just looking at the road and it's got like empty spaces on it. So like some of them are next to farms where you make money. Some of them are next to temples where you donate coins to be spiritual. Some of them are next to shops. Some of them are next to hot springs where you can relax. Some of them are next to like panoramic views where you would stop and paint. And so the idea, the theme behind the game is that it's a spiritual road where people travel and take in experiences. And the, the whole idea is you get points for every little thing that you do, but the, the concept of winning is obviously it's whoever has the most points, like a lot of board games. What? Whoever has the most points wins. Who's ever heard of that? Um, the idea though, thematically is that whoever has the most points, um, had the most fulfilling journey from this along this road. So, um, you can't have two players occupy the same space. So for example, if I start off you, there, there are the, the ends at the end of each day, just as checkpoints, because you can pick as far ahead as you want to jump. So if you like start off and you're like, I'm going right to the end of the first day, you can do that. But then all the other players behind you are stopping at all the other places first and getting all the points. So the idea is that you kind of want to decide strategically well, I want to go here and try to buy some stuff, but I don't have any money. So maybe I'll go to the farm and get the gold coins. The player behind you is like, shit, I wanted the gold coins, but now I can't. So I have to go to the next place, you know, that I want to go. And so it's, it's um, an interesting way of, of playing. So the person that's behind, you don't want to jump too far ahead because the person who's in the, the, the furthest back position is always the one who gets to go next. So if the first two players jump, let's say it's a three player game and the first two players jump way too far ahead. Well, now that player behind can literally stop at every single thing behind and collect, 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 collect. So you try to figure what you work on. The game has rewards for like, you know, every time you stop at a particular type of panorama, you add another piece to the the, the thing. So it's be, like in terms of the visuals and the 
the artwork, very beautiful game. Um, and even these panoramas that you're painting, like they come in, they come in little panoramic things. So you get cards, but each time you stop at that particular one. So I think there's like a mountain, uh, a lake or a river and, uh, and a, and a farm. And each one of these things, whenever you go to the green one, you get another piece of the green panorama and you get these little pictures in front of you that are developing. Everything's played where everything you've collected is face up for the other players to see. Like there's no secrecy. And the only thing I could say is like, you might jump ahead to something that you know that another another player wants, but there's so many different ways to make points in this game. So for example, if you see someone who's like, oh, I'm trying to collect, you know, souvenirs, then you might go, oh, I'm going to jump ahead to the store so they can't buy souvenirs. Great. But if you jumped all the way ahead to prevent them from that, they can, again, just take stuff behind you. So it's not really like a cutthroat, I'm going to get you kind of game. It's more like, I just want to have the most fulfilling journey myself. I want to stop and get as many points as I can and paint as many pictures and take as many baths. And at the end of every day, you stop at the inn and then you buy a meal, right? And and there's there's just extra reward points at the end for whoever bought the most meals, whoever had the most encounters, whoever had the most hot springs, whoever had bought the most stuff, you know what I mean? Whoever spent the most on meals. Like it's just, it's a very interesting game and the theme is very cool. Um, I have a, a really nice copy. I bought a regular version of Takedo and I enjoyed it so much that I found like a special edition one that had like little miniatures and they were painted and I spent way too much money on it, but it's a great game. It, it's, uh, it's fun. It's, uh, low stress in the sense that, like I said, you're not like, oh fuck, if I fuck up, the other players are going to, like, no one's after you. Everyone's just walking along a road, having different experiences. It's a fun, it's a really nice kind of, uh, Zen, Zen sort of game. Um, pandemic in number two pandemic is a great game. Are we in a pandemic right now? Yes, we is pandemic is a game. Um, I've played this one with my roommate, Jason, and he did not like it because it's a game where everyone is on the same team and you either win or lose as a team. And Jason is very competitive. He doesn't want his results to be based on anyone else. So it made me think of Takedo in the sense that Takedo, you're not at other players, but you are still in charge of your own character. So your results are your own. They're not a shared results thing. So if you're the kind of person who's like, no, I'd rather not play a team game. I'd rather play by myself. But if you're not looking for too aggressive, Takedo. Pandemic is a game where there's viruses outbreaking all over the world. And all of you together work for like the CDC. And your job is to try to eliminate, to find cures for all the viruses. Really fun game. Really can go from like everything's going well to like fucking hectic to disastrous in a moment. You're putting little cubes. It's almost like risk in the sense that you're looking at the world and you're putting little cubes down, but the cubes are all diseases and there's only so many cubes that a city can, can sustain before it outbreaks and spreads to the other cities nearby. Kind of like, you know, that, that whole thing that fucking happened uh, to us uh, in the last couple of years, but um, really fun game. Everyone has different abilities. Uh, you only have limited amounts of moves on your turn. So you're really trying to talk to each other and communicate what, uh, what moves you think everyone should make and take advantage of each other. So there's no betrayer or reason that someone would want to tank the team. So you really are all working together and you do win or lose as a team. The idea is once you've got a cure for all four viruses, you win. But sometimes the game has this mechanic where every time you hit one of these, I think they're called the epidemic cards or whatever, something like that. Um, the, the, deck reshuffles with all the stuff. Like basically at the end of everybody's turn, more cities become infected. So the, 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 so as you're clearing off cubes, more are constantly getting put on. So it's not like, Hey, here's all the viruses. Now just cure them all. It's like you're working on a cure 
and the viruses are constantly spreading and stuff. And so the idea is like, I think they have four or five of these in the deck and they're split up into actual, like, um, you know, like, like, uh, the decks broken up into like five stacks and then you put one on top of each stack and then put stack them back on top of each other and then put them in. So periodically, every time you, you know, get to a part in the game, you shuffle everything together and you're just, ah, oh, it's just, it's just a game that'll bite in the ass, but all the places that just got infected. So at the end of a turn, you flip over three cities and you add more cubes to them. Well, if some of these cities, once this epidemic card comes, you have to take all of the cards you've already flipped over, shuffle them and put them back on top of the deck, not on the bottom on top. So places that just recently were infected are getting infected again. And so that causes these chain reactions. So you could be doing really well and then just a couple bad placed cards, uh, you know, and, and bad luck with the shuffling can just fucking destroy you. But it's fun. It makes the stakes high. It makes you really get into the sense of the the, the theme. And it's uh, it's a great game. And, and it's it's not the kind, I'll be honest, uh, Pandemic is not the kind of game that you will play over and over and over again. Um, it's a game that kind of suffers. Um, you, you will with new players. The problem is, is that, um, there's little things that I've learned and this is what people talk about. People are way more into it than me. They kind of, I, I sort of say like, I liked it, but then, and they're like, yeah, that's the problem with that game is, is this, that, and the other. And they'll talk about things like broken mechanics and stuff of a game, but pandemic suffers from something called like the quarterback syndrome. Um, what ends up happening is if you're playing pandemic and it's your first time, you're gonna have a great time. However, if you're playing for the first time with somebody else who's played it a bunch, um, because you're all doing co-op, you can do whatever you want on your turn, but a lot of people are like, I want to win. So you'll end up with this person who's played it a bunch and they're making the suggestions for everyone what to do on their team. So it's your turn. And someone's like, what you should do is you should move here, clear that off, then move over here and then airlift your guy over there. And then you give me that card and then we'll cure it. And you're like, well, I, I guess I want that. But it's like, that's, that's even less, you know, that's almost like just picking up the dice and rolling it. Like if you already know everything I'm supposed to do and I haven't played this, like I'm not thinking, oh, this, this, and you got, you got all the strategies, you're quarterbacking everybody. You're telling them what to do. So um, they have come up with little fixes for that in their expansions. They have an expansion for pandemic where one person actually plays as a bioterrorist. And so they're the one who's running around trying to like add more. So that kind of like, if you have one person that's already knows the game pretty well, they can take that role. And then that, that doesn't exist in the base game, by the way. And I'm not suggesting you start with that, but um, but if you're, if you're interested in board games and you want to see what board games can be, Pandemic is in my number two slot. It was great, especially with the theme of the world right now. You can find Pandemic. I don't think it won a Spiel de Jars or anything like that, but anyone who plays board games, you say Pandemic, they know. In fact, Pandemic has even made a, a game called Pandemic Legacy. And a legacy game, not to take this off in a different direction... But a legacy game is one that you play where, you know, they send you stickers and boxes of extra things, or whatever, and you actually play it for like a season. So it's designed to be played, you know, 12 to 24 different times. Um, and every time you play, you're going to get stickers and things like that, that you actually put on the board that alter the gameplay forever going forward. So it's almost like, a, you know, a choose your own adventure where like the, the results of a previous game will carry forward into the next game. So the stakes are raised. Like you don't want to fuck up because you make a mistake. It follows you forever until the game's over. And then apparently the game is still playable when it's done, but everything's over. So like in pandemic, you have cities like burned to the ground, you know, for a single gameplay. You're like, oh shit, that sucked. And then you just start over again fresh. Well, in some of these ones, it's like, yeah, it burned to the ground. That city's, you can't go in there anymore. 
and then the next game you start, like you play on viruses mutate and they have new new effects and things. Fucking awesome. Fucking awesome. That's like a ten out of ten. And we've I was playing that with Mika and Mel, and we got to a point in that where it was like, This is crazy. Like like regular pandemic will seem like a walk in the park because of the stakes being so highly raised in this in this pandemic legacy. It's amazing. Amazing. Number one, number one, number one, number one, code names. Code names is, I think, like the the game that I played with Chris. Crystal and I played with Chris and his lovely wife Rebecca. Um, they they played that with us. Uh, instant classic. It's such a good game that I I you know I think I introduced Jason to it or he had played it somewhere else. But it's like it's a game that like that's all that they'll play here. Uh, is, is is code names. Uh, code names is a really fun game. You got two teams. You got basically a five by five grid of words. The game is words and word association. Um, you're trying to get your team. I'm going to make this quick because I'm just aware of how late this fucking episode is, how long I should say. And in code names, you've got two teams, a red team and a blue team, and at minimum of two players on each team. Um, they, they have code ma- code masters and I guess field agents. And the idea is the code master is looking at a color coded grid. So it's that same five by five grid, but some of the words are, are blue teams words. Some of the words are red teams words. And in order for the person on the, let's say blue team to guess which words are theirs. Cause they can't see, they just see, they just see a five by five grid of words in order to try to, to establish which words are theirs. The code master will look at the grid, see which words belong to your team, and then try to give a clue, a one word clue to associate as many of their words together as possible. So that person can guess what they are. The thing is, when you give a clue, you give a a one word clue and a number. So for example, let's say I have the word Hawk. Um, I'm going to go over to my buddy, Tim real has a way better example. I think he said the word animal and it was like, um, like, let's say his words were drummer, uh, you know, furry or something like that. I don't know. I'm trying, I'm going way too far off. Uh, you know, I think the idea was that he had like drummer and then like a, like a bear and something else. And the word animal was like animal, like a bear is an animal, but animal is also the drummer from the Muppet show. So the idea is that like, that's where the creativity comes in. That's where your control over the game and your choice comes in is that it's up to you as the code master to try to come up with a word and a number that will link cards together. The, the difficult part is sometimes your words don't go together at all. And there's nothing you can think of to do. You know what I mean? Um, sometimes the difficulty is you could say the word animal. Hey, I got, I got hawk, bear, and, and, and cheetah. Hey, animal for three. The only problem is that there's also squid. No, I don't know, squid. Um, I don't know, rabbit and deer. Well, those are also animals. You know, and, and one of those belongs to the other team. There's, there's certain parts on the grid that are neutral. So the thing is, as soon as someone, you know, goes, oh, I'm going to choose this as one of those words, the code masters will reveal, you know, what it is. So it's either a blue team's word, a red team's word, or a neutral word. So it's, it's a fun game. The difficulty, the, the, the fun part for both sides of the table, right? Uh, not both teams, but is as the code master, you're playing, trying to come up with something to associate these words. Your task is to be creative and try to find ways to, to make words linked together that may not, you know, otherwise go together. Um, 
the person on the other side of the table who's getting that clue for them, it's like, it's kind of fun to try to decide like, Oh, what did you mean by that? You know what I mean? Like it's, it's tough. Like, you know, I tried to get someone, uh, I, I played the other day. That was one of the games I brought over to my friend Izzy's place. I tried to get someone to guess the word, like they had to guess the word press and, uh, and I think badge, um, I think badge or like, yeah, I, I really can't remember what it was, but I was going to say like, like credentials, you know what I mean? For two. And it's like, oh, I'm from the press. But if they're not thinking press as in like the newspaper, right? If they're thinking literally pressing on something or that kind of thing, right? Like I remember I I wanted to do the word press and I think palm, like palm oil, you know, or, and I think I said massage. I was like massage, right? Cause you pressing when you get massaged and there's like a, a, a palm massage or whatever, hand massage, but like when I was thinking, I'm like, oh, oil for like massage, right? Like oil massage or, or you press something for oil and palm oil. But literally the word olive was there too. And that was the other team's word. So I'm like, well, I say oil. Someone's going to think olive oil. So it's a, it's a fun thing of a game. So you're basically not just trying to associate your words, but you're trying to make sure the clue you give doesn't lead someone to one of the other team's words. Or there is one card on the board every single game that is called the assassin. So the idea is that either of the op, like either of the team's guesser selects that word it's instant game over for that team so i remember i was playing one time uh code names and i the last two words i had left were were like paper and parchment and i was like easy sheet sheet of parchment sheet of paper easy peasy i gave my clue to my person hey we got sheet for two right and that basically just means that there's two words i'm trying to get like with the number that you give is trying to lead your partner to how many words are on the board that pertain to that clue. Obviously the, the larger number of words, the more broad you have to be in terms of your clue. But again, you get one word, that's it. So I said sheet for two thinking sheet of paper, sheet of parchment, easy peasy. I even looked at my partner's words and I was like, there's nothing that sheet would lead them to. Unfortunately, the assassin word was drier. So the, the, the benefit you have as being the code masters, you know, what words are yours and you go, yeah, that word will relate to them. Unfortunately, the person, when you say that sheet to them, they're not thinking the same thing that you are right. So to my partner, they saw the word sheet like off of a bed and they saw dryer. Oh, you throw sheets in the dryer. Boom. They tap dryer. That was the assassin game over. We were like, we were like, oh, it's easy. We're going to win. And I, I just hadn't considered didn't even look at the assassin. I was too busy looking at just those two words and thinking of something. So it's a fun game. It's uh, it's really fun. There's like 500 different words or there's like, there's a like 250 cards that have like 500, you know, double-sided with words. And of course these come in different configurations. The grid, the grid cards are all like, there's several of them in the thing that you can spin around, flip around any, any which way. And of course the words are always different. So there's like limitless combinations of what you can do. There's even an app that will just randomly generate grids for you to, to use during the game. So the code masters will always have a, a new grid. There's so many different words. You'll never, you'll never play the same game twice. Quite, quite honestly. Um, but it's fun. It gets talking. I, I was actually my friend, uh, Tim Riel, who is, uh, Definitely an authority that I go to with questions for, for board games. Uh, Tim has a channel on Twitch. It is twitch.tv slash Tim underscore real R I E L. Um, uh, Tim actually has a show. I was on it uh, not too, too long ago. If you guys scroll on the Instagram, you'll see the, the little promo for it. Um, code names. He, he hosts a code names live, uh, show on Twitch on Mondays and Thursdays. So on Mondays he has new guests. I was one of those. And on Thursdays they have like their, their, you know, uh, forever cast kind of thing or, or regular cast 
on it, and they play Codenames Live. You can watch it. You can also play Codenames yourself at Codenames.game uh, for free online. So Codenames.game, you can go on there and play Codenames. You just need to find four people that'll play. You need four different computers or, you know, uh, smartphones. Sorry, I'm struggling for the words. So you can play Codenames online for free. You don't even have to buy the game, but it's definitely a good one to have. It's a great cottage game. It's a great, you know, after dinner game. It's not one that's uh, super hard to learn. It is definitely hard to master. Another just fun little ideas. I remember one time I was playing, Jason was the, op- I was a code master. Jason was the opposite team's code master. And the two words that he had left were, um, were needle. All right. Needle and jam. And I'm like, how, what, what one word are you going to do that's going to combine needle and jam. And then Jason goes space for two. And I was like, very well, like, well done. Right. Seattle space needle space jam. Amazing. The word space is connecting both of those. I was like, that's, that's crazy. I'm like, that's fucking, that's great. And that's, what's fun about that game is you can come up with some really cool shit. You know, that same person was my partner on Tim Riel's code names and dropped the ball. So fucking hard for me. He, he picked the word strong and the words that were available to me, like his clue to me was strong for like four. And I look and the word steel is there. I'm like, oh, strong as steel. Tap it. And he's like, nope. That was the other team's word. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me, G? Why would you say strong when the word steel is there? Yeah, I didn't see it. Okay. Next time it's my turn again. The word arm is there. And I'm thinking, oh, strong arm somebody, right? Strong arm. Tap it. It's the other team's word. I'm like, Jay, were you even looking at the other fucking words before you gave me that clue? You're literally leading me to the other team's words with your suggestions. But uh, code names, guys, cannot recommend it more. Um, if you want to see it played live with funny people, comedians, and honestly, some pretty spectacular, like high high named uh, comedians, uh, Twitch.tv slash Tim T I M underscore Riel R I E L T I M underscore R I E L uh, Mondays and Thursdays is there, or you can go to codenames.game and uh, and play it yourself uh, with friends on that. Uh, Tim's channel is uh, sponsored by uh, CGE Games, the people who make Codenames. So it is absolutely 100% officially the Codenames channel uh, from the developers of the games uh, with my buddy Tim Real. I had a blast on it. I'd love to do it again. Um, if you guys hear me promo it, please come on and watch. You'll see how the game is played. But pe- uh, Codenames is a phenomenal game for beginners. It's, it's just so much fun and it gives you an idea. Like I said, there's no board. It's just cards on the table. So, uh, gives you an idea of what games can be, uh, ladies and gentlemen, next week, um, starting tomorrow, I'm actually going to my brother's place to do some electrical work for him and drop off his box. As I mentioned, uh, we do have some one man podcast collectors boxes left, uh, $150 worth of product for a hundred dollars just to get them out of here, get them into your hands. Uh, contact at one podcast.com. Same email address. If you want to send me your own top five list, um, or if you want to work on the same list, I'll be working on next week. Next week's top five is my top five pizza toppings. Uh, weird. I know, but I'm, I'm going, uh, I'm not just going like, Hey, just like the big toppings, right? I'm going like top five. Here's the thing, not counting sauce not counting cheese, but that's it. All right. Uh, those two toppings don't count. I would say that those should be a given on any pizza, but, uh, if you put, um, I'm trying not to give away any of my list or whatever, but I'm saying like, I'm not just counting the toppings that you would pay for. I'm counting the toppings that you can add on that are free or whatever. So any, anything that you would put on top of the sauce or cheese counts as a topping. So if there's a, a, an extra sauce you like to add, that's got to be one of yours. That's got to be one of your five. That's if you submit, I'm just letting you know, that's what my top five, it's a top five things that I put on top of pizza. 
uh, is what's, uh, is what's going to be my list next week. If you want to send yours in contact at one man podcast.com. Um, I'm sort of running, uh, I don't want to say I'm running out of ideas. I should probably sit down and just kind of think of some things, but when you're trying to think of real obscure stuff, you know, like a lot of my lists have been like music, movies, books, now board games, like it's big subjects. So I'm trying to think of these more obscure ones. That's why I wanted to just kind of fuck around and do the top five pizza toppings. I probably won't be able to go at length like I did this week on it, which is maybe a good thing. Um, but I would love to hear from you guys. Okay. So send me your top five pizza toppings. Send me, uh, any, any obscure top five lists that you guys may have that you want to know that gives me something to work with as well. But, uh, but I appreciate you guys. I, uh, I will let you know, of course, if anything changes next week and I keep on with the fasting, uh, see if the arm soars down, still, still working off tennis elbow. You know, I'm icing it and uh, I'm not doing it every single day. I really should be taking the, the physio of my tennis elbow uh, more seriously, but for some reason I'm doing a lot of like labor shit. Um, so I'm just not getting in the, the rest. And even if I was doing it, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to help regardless. I'm not being an idiot. It would help regardless to do the physio, whether I was doing physical stuff or not. So, um, gotta, gotta do that. Gotta get on that. So, uh, top five pizza toppings next week. Onesies. Thank you for everything. If you want anything from me, uh, anything at all to contribute, whatever, you know, the thing contact at one man podcast.com. Uh, if you're not following me on Instagram, do that because I post stuff, uh, all the time that you can, can see, uh, is there and, uh, and that's it. All right, you guys have a great week. Uh, if you're in the heat, stay cool. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. I stand outside as the sky cries tonight. Wishing I could fall like rain on you. You. The green in your eyes. My palette, my plate I feel like a painter with a muse Your arms and